girl Would you like someone new to talk to Oh yeah, alright I'm feeling kind of lonely too If you don't mind Can I sit down here beside you Oh yeah, alright If I seem to come on too strong I hope that you will understand I say these things cause I'd like to know If you're as lonely as I am And if you'd mind Hello It's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here on uh, WGN. We're here till uh, 4 a.m. And uh, coming up, we are going to talk with uh, our good friend Dan Feinberg from The Hollywood Reporter. He joins us uh, every two weeks to talk TV. Always a lot of TV to talk about. Dan's a, a great guy and a great you know, a TV critic and a writer. And we'll talk with him. Uh, Valerie Gangus is going to join us later on, too. She is an author and a speaker and a transcendental meditation expert. It's always uh, fun to talk to her about that and some of the things that she's been writing about. And uh, and she give us some advice on how we can all just sort of ease our anxiety at this time and maybe do a little TM. Uh, 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Uh, at 2.30 a.m. every weekday morning, we play back some classic stuff from the Johnny Carson Show. And then you can watch the Johnny Carson show on Antenna TV every night. Um, and uh, when we play play it back, it would be from 1976, Jonathan Winters. So we can expect insanity is basically <laughs> what we can expect from that clip. Um, we have, uh, we're going to talk about inventions that were made by mistake. Um, on, the, on the 23rd which will be in uh, less than an hour. Um, three people were killed on the set of the movie The Twilight Zone, including Vic Morrow. So we'll talk a little bit about that, and, and then uh, movies that people think are cursed. Uh, and a man saws his neighbor's garage in half amid a property dispute. So we're going to talk about uh, your issues. If you ever had, if you ever had a, a, a dispute with your neighbors, um, and uh, if you've ever done that. I, I've had some... I've had a couple of disputes, but uh, I have I have had some weird neighbors. Um, and uh, so if you've had weird neighbors too, we'll talk, we'll jump into that too. And of course, some of the biggest business blunders of all time, we will talk about. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is the uh, phone number for the Team Hockberg phone line, and it's always open, and we want to hear from you. Um, so um, you know, we've all been you know stuck inside. So I'm assuming that people are ordering things for delivery a lot, uh, not you know going out to the brick and mortar as much. Um, but have you ever uh, encountered a delivery driver? Um, have you ever been a delivery driver? You know what what was the job like? What are some of the crazy uh, situations that you've encountered? Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. If you would like to join us. Um. So <laughs> we've got some stories here that involve delivery. And if you've, you've, if you've ever been a delivery driver, and we've had some people on who, who you know, in the past have been, they talk about their experiences, uh, you know, delivering pizzas and stuff and how weird sometimes uh, that is. And uh, some very crazy stories uh, that, that go along with that. 
Um, but we're going to be talking a little bit about delivery drivers now. I, I would, you know, like we were just saying, everybody's stuck inside, so um, we're ordering more stuff via delivery. Um, so you know, we we don't go out uh, shopping online, ordering more stuff online, delivering, having food delivered, that kind of stuff. So, uh, what what have been your uh, your experiences with that? Or if, on the other side, if you were or are a delivery driver, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Tom, you've been ordering more stuff. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it. I like to order in food, you know, and I, I generally like to purchase things online because some of the things I'm trying to buy are a little bit specific. You know, you don't find a lot of these things in brick and mortar stores, right? But uh, yeah, pretty much at least every Friday, uh, I do like I order. I order dinner. That's like my thing. Is mm-hmm. that that's my treat for the weekend? I'm going to order dinner, but it's bled a little bit into the weekdays because sometimes you're just like, ow, you know, whatever. I'm going to just order in food. Yeah, I'm just going to order or you know this thing I would normally go out and maybe get from a brick and mortar. I'll just get online. Yeah, I've I've um, frequently been ordering uh, food for delivery during this time. I've had a lot of pizzas. <laughs> it's the easiest thing, you know. I got the Grubhub too, so I use that, and I just boom, you know. It just remembers where you last ordered from. Yeah, and, boom. and it says, "Hey, makes it easy." Would you like it. to order from there again? It's like, yeah, I guess so. Why not? So. Same order. Yep. Um. So three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. What has been your uh, your experience? Uh, have you been ordering more stuff to be delivered during this time period? Um, and if you're a, a delivery person uh, and you have some stories, 312-981-7200. Remember the, the one guy who called up, a listener who called up, said he was a pizza delivery guy and he showed up with a couple of, with a couple of like three or four pizzas or something like that. And the opened up the door and there was nothing but naked people in there. <laughs> Like the person who opened the door was naked yeah. and everybody else in there was naked. And so the delivery guy went in and partied with him. Just a bunch of naked women and stuff. So he's there. He just stayed there. I think I've seen that one before. But I, my question to him after, you know, we, we talked to him about it. And I was like, what? You know, because I, I, I thought the story was pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Then I kept thinking, well, what, what about the, what about the pizza place? Where they like, where, where's our driver? You know? Orders he, are said, he, up. Said, he said he stayed there for like a couple of hours partying with these naked people. And I'm like, well, what did you lose? I'm assuming you lost your job. I, I would think you just blew off your job for three hours to hang out with naked people. I can imagine the people like the managers at the, at the pizza place going, what, where's John? What, what is Supposed to be back here three hours ago. Did something happen to him? What? I don't know how long this was ago. Uh, I don't remember. He didn't say. But I, I guess it was pre-cell phone. That would be my guess. So, like, the people at the pizza place were like, maybe he's dead. And meanwhile, he's in some house hanging out with a bunch of naked people, partying, and not delivering any more pizzas. But yeah, that was one of the weird stories we heard. Uh, delivery guy opens up, you know, goes to deliver some pizzas. They open up the door, naked people. Mm.
Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. <laughs> uh, Tom, did you did you watch any of the? Have you watched any of the baseball games? I've watched a little bit. Yeah, I, I um I love the cardboard cutouts. I was actually watching a little bit of the Sox game and listening to it, and there was a cutout of Robin Baumgarten. The all the all the WGN are they morning, there? Yeah, they were all there. Ah, nice. I like that. Robin I, posted it on her Facebook page, and she said, "This is the best seats I've ever had for a White Sox game." <laughs> yeah, I saw her out there. I was, I was giggling. Yeah, they were all funny. there. Larry, everybody, the whole crew, Paul. They were, they were, yeah, they Good were job, all guys. There. Good job. Oh, I just, I mean, it's, and they were talking about it on W on GN Sports. Um, you know when they do their good thing at the end. So, um. Uh, it was uh, Jared who said uh, that he thought it was hilarious that somebody uh, had, like, one guy had uh, purchased, like, a hundred seats and just had him in a whole section. That's a lot of money. Might as well spend it. I mean, what is it? I mean, that's a lot of money. What not it, like, 40 bucks to to have that done? Aren't they charging, like, 40, 45 bucks just for the cardboard cutout itself to, 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 to be put in those seats? But I, I think it's great. I just think it's great. It's it's just hilarious. But yeah, the the whole WGN morning morning news team was out there. <laughs> it was hilarious, and they had the the uh, the players' kids. They had a whole section where it was just the uh, the players' kids. Yeah, it's uh fifty bucks. Fifty 40, bucks. Forty nine dollars. Forty nine dollars. So this guy fifty bucks, and he bought like a hundred of them. <laughs> That's a lot of money, man. So, but uh, I find it very entertaining. But anyway, we'll get through this. Um, hey, we're talking about uh, delivery. And are you ordering more things online? You know, we've all been stuck inside, getting stuff delivered, food deliveries. Um, so are you uh, are you ordering more things online? Are you getting more things delivered? Uh, and from the other end, if you're a uh, if you're a delivery person, 312-981-7200. Here's Steve on WGN. Hi, Steve. Hey, how you doing, Nick? All right. Okay, well, sorry, a Uber driver, and I uh, had a late night pickup from O'Hare all the way out to Madison. It was like after like twelve thirty at night. Yeah. Get out to Madison, drop the guy off. I'm like, wow, my app rings for another ride in Madison, and it turns out these people are coming out of a wedding, three guys and a girl. And while I'm bringing them back to their Airbnb, they're talking like, oh yeah, legs are all scratched up because they went skinny dipping in one of the lakes there. And climbing back up on the pier, the barnacles cut their leg. And it's like, too bad we can't catch the other uh, the other lakes here in Madison. And then the girl yells out, well, I'll go if the Uber driver goes. And I go, I'm in. And they're like, what? And then uh, so we found uh, a pier, took off our clothes, and uh, jumped into uh, one of the lakes in Madison. <laughs> Did they tip you well? Yes, uh, twenty bucks. Wow! And uh, it was like it was like two thirty at night, and we're like, "Oh man, please catch us! What do we say? What do we do?" Because we had to put our clothes a little further away from the edge of the uh, pier and stuff. Wow! But, uh, yeah. Well, that sounds like a, <laughs> sounds like an interesting an interesting night there, Steve. Yeah, they're from they're they're from Colorado, and they're like, "Yeah, we got to we're never going to be out here again." So that's why they did it. Wow! All right, okay, Steve. Thanks, hey. man. Cool. Okay. Thank you. See ya. 
Just skinny dipping with a bunch of strangers who got in your Uber. <laughs> oh, man. Here's Cab on WGNA, Cab. Okay, so here's the skinny on what's cooking with the uh, cutouts um, over at uh, the Comiskey, well, it was called, a White Sox Park. Yeah. Um, I heard John Williams talking about it, and it was a limited number of people, like they said in terms of purchasing, 1,500 are only going to be sold, and by the time I found out about it from John Williams, it was 200 only left, and so I had reserved, or I didn't reserve, but I got four, and so um, it was $49 per cutout, and they said it was going to be... Um, you know, like weather resistant or whatever you want to say for in case it rains. I don't think it's going to snow. Maybe it will. But anyway, it was for the homestand. So I didn't know it was going to be on there today. I just listened on the radio. And I was going back and forth between WGN and the other channels I could go to listen to both. Anyway, and so also, they said when you come in August, they said in August, if you like, that you could come by and pick it up. And they said that um, they didn't say it was going to be on there today. And so, anyway, so I'm going to be surrounded by my uh, two old bosses and actually my former husband, who has recently passed away, because we actually um, went to spring training March. We got married the Ides of March 1975, divorced in 1980, and you had to have, like, a cutout kind of, like, of your waist up or, you know, whatever, you want, that type of thing. And so trying to find a picture of John in his, you know, single-person outfit type thing. Nick, you're not going to believe this. The only picture I had was in our wedding album from 1975, The Eyes of March. And so, anyway, I had that picture, and he's going to be in this tuxedo there. Oh. So, <laughs> I mean, because I don't know how to do Photoshop. The pictures I have are, like, group people right. with him. Right. So it's going to be it's gonna be my friend. I won't say the name because they might be listening. My friend, who was my boss at one company, my friend, my boss at another company, and then it's going to be me and my uh, former ex-husband, and it'll be like a group. They said he'll be like in a group of four, you know, because I'm four. Well, I mean, that's kind of what their information said. Yeah. All right. Anyway, and that goes to Chicago White Sox charity, so it's like, you know, $196 to the charity people. Right. Okay. Well, that's cool. That's gonna be, it's going to be fun to see that. It will be. So I'm going to be standing by with my cell phone on the tele- watching television at home instead of watching it somewhere because I need to be able to take a picture of this whole thing. Right. Yeah, you got to save standing it. By, standing by for my own people, you know? Yeah. Well, you can also DVR the game, Cab. Oh, Nick, you're so brilliant. I know I love, oh, I love you so much. Okay, great. Okay. Right. Nick, you're perfect. Thank you, my dear. All right, Cab. Take care. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Uh, I love my DVR. I, I know you do. It's my best friend. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Did you have you named it? Do you it's call it a pet name? DV. You call it DV? Yeah. Yeah. Me and my buddy DV are going to hang out this Saturday. <laughs> no, every day. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, we're all stuck inside and, uh, are people ordering things online and, uh, what's going on with the world of delivery? Here's Donald on WGN. Hey, Donald. Hi. Nice to talk to you again. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I've uh, been ordering a lot. I'm creating my own private museum that I've always wanted, like uh, my own art gallery and a museum. And uh, so I've been ordering things for it for some time now, actually, more now that I'm inside. And so I'm thinking of getting actually another uh, an apartment that's bigger so I can actually have the museum room. Wow. Well, what do you what yeah, do you, what I, do you, I have? You, like, what, I have stuff like from Egyptian tombs. I've got like the the Egyptian section. I've got a baseball section. I've got you know different different cultural sections of it. You know, so I have my own thing that'll amuse me. You know, including a coin collection too, which is good for investment. And I was amazed that a lot of my coins that I ordered at the end of the last year are suddenly doubled now. Uh, do you live with anybody else, Donald? No, oh, no, I don't. Okay, I was just going to say, I'm wondering what the other people in the house would think. But it would be kind of interesting, you know, to have my own little museum room, you know, and my own uh, my own thing. I, that's kind of how I wanted to do it, because, or I could always get a, get a storefront cheap, I guess, nowadays, because everybody's really, really asking for any kind of money, you know, and I could sell some of it, too. But I, I try to get it at very good prices, too, to make it actually like a hobby, a science, so, uh-huh. I, so I'm not over, overbidding, because I've seen crazy stuff. Well, I'm going to tell you one crazy thing I saw today, $98,000. Somebody paid for signatures of all the presidents uh, and, uh, you know, in a photo gallery. But there are signatures from all the presidents from George Washington through Trump. Wow. $98,000 it went for. That's nuts. Yeah, it was 21000 at the beginning of the day. And it got bid all the way up to 98000 Good Lord. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, Donald. Politicians are popular now. That's true. (laughs) All right, Donald. Thanks. Okay. Donald's going to have his own private museum. Is he going to charge admission, I wonder? Uh, I mean, he's you know, got, that's a lot of cool stuff. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, he lives alone. That's cool. You know, turn his, you know, he lives alone, turn his place into a museum. I think every person maybe has that little dream in the back of their head. You, you got that little dream of if you could have one room that was going to be one thing, you know, a special thing, like a... Like a recording studio, if you're a music, you know, if you play music or, or man cave, man cave. I've always wanted to have my own theater, you know, with the the seats and everything, but not big cushy seats like theater seats, yeah, and a screen and a projector and everything like that. That's the little dream I have. Yeah. All right. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. As uh, as we've been, you know, we've been talking about, we've been uh, stuck inside, and uh, more people are ordering things. And we've got some uh, things that the FedEx drivers won't tell you, and uh, uh, and more people are ordering and delivering. If you have anything, any stories about uh, if you're ordering things more than ever right now, and or if you're a delivery driver and you want to jump in with your stories, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred, or you're an Uber driver and you get naked with your with your passengers and jump into a lake. <laughs> 312-981-7200. Nick DeGilio and WGN. We get it almost every night. And when that moon gets a big and bright, it's supernatural delight. Every border was dancing in the moonlight. Yeah. Here is out of sight. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Uh, we are live in the Skyline studio here until uh, 4. Uh, coming up after midnight, our good friend Dan Feinberg is going to join us, TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. Always a lot of TV to talk about. 
Uh, and then uh, a little later on, Valerie Gangus is going to join us. She's an author, a speaker, and a transcendental meditation expert. And she's going to try and help us all just relax a little. <laughs> Maybe do a little meditation. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We've all been stuck inside a lot. And... Um, you know, ordering stuff online, maybe a little bit more than we have in the past, and uh, getting food delivered and things like that. So we've got some uh, delivery stories to talk about. Okay. Um, here's a headline that's going to, you know, make, I think, a lot of people uh, happy. Portillo's is hiring hundreds of drivers and building its own delivery fleet. Did you hear that? Portillo's will be delivering. Do you understand how awesome that is? <laughs> As delivery apps like Uber Eats continue to push their restaurant-killing participation fees and try to find ways to circumvent government-mandated fee caps, a recurring question for many customers is, why the hell don't restaurants just hire their own delivery people like they used to? Now, beloved Chicago restaurant chain Portillo's is doing just that. According to Restaurant Business, Portillo's will be hiring hundreds of drivers so the chain can engage in what it's calling self-delivery. Several drivers will be assigned to each of uh, Portillo's 62 lower locations and will earn a base wage in addition to tips. The drivers will be trained uh, to set up large catering orders, which can uh, only hope as Portillo's uh, hedging for the future does not indicate that people in Chicago are currently having enormous Italian beef and hot dog parties. While offering delivery is hardly groundbreaking, Portillo's move is an interesting one. The chain has made it clear that it plans to continue to partner with third-party delivery services, meaning that customers will have the option of ordering either directly from the restaurant or from the apps they've been using. And given how easy those apps are to use, presumably uh, Portillo's will need to either tempt people to its own platform, which deals with or create an app on par with the delivery competitors, which is itself uh, no easy feat. Portillo's, man. I don't. I don't know if I've got one in my delivery zone. I don't think I have one in my delivery. Clo- I think the closest one to me would be the one in Norwich. Be the one next to the Norwich Theater, right, right down the street from the Norwich Theater. I think that would be the closest. I don't know if I'm in the delivery zone though. Do they deliver as far east as Pulaski? I don't think I they do. We'll have to see. I mean, that's the thing is that with some of these delivery apps, they'll, you know, like a Postmates or Grubhub or something like that or Uber Eats, they'll go farther because they're not limited by how much, how far the restaurant is. Oh, I guess that's, yeah, I guess that's true. You know what I mean? Like I've been able to order food from pretty far away because the restaurant is like, well, you know, we can deliver to you. I think those apps do have... A little bit of a cap, but um, yeah. most of the time you can get stuff from pretty far away. So I guess it'll depend what uh, well, Portillo's wants to do. I would love to have Portillo's delivered to my door. I mean, come on, who wouldn't? <laughs> what are we talking about here? Two hot dogs, order of fries, maybe a slice of chocolate cake. Chili dogs. You go for the chili. Oh, have I I've not talked to you about how perfect... The Portillo's chili dog is? Enlighten me. 
It's the and, it, and it's not just in one location. I don't know how they do it. Every location I've gone to, and I've ordered a chili dog at Portillo's, they have the exact right amount of chili on it. There's some onions and a little cheese. And you know how you sometimes you get a chili dog from someplace and they slam all the chili all over the place. It's all you know. It's all over inside inside you know inside the box. It's spilling out all over the place. I've never. That's never. I don't know what they do. I don't know if there is a a process that they go through, but I've never had a chili dog from Portillo's with too much chili falling off of it. It's the right amount of chili, and it's it's the best. The chili's great. Obviously, the hot dogs at Portillo's are, you know, fantastic. But I don't know what they do. I don't know if there's a secret to putting together the perfect chili dog, but every single time, it's the exact right amount of chili. And it doesn't go flying all over the place. Because I hate it when I get... I mean, I love chili dogs. I love them. But you order a chili dog, sometimes, you know, your fingers are going to get full of chili. Chili's going to be all over the, you know, the napkin. Falling off the bun. Soaking the bun. But it does. that's not what happens at Portillo's. Best chili dog ever is at Portillo's. So, yeah. All right, so they're hiring hundreds of drivers at Portillo's. Get your uh, get your face ready to stuff it with <laughs> with food. Well, now I can finally live out my long held fantasy of becoming a uh, food delivery driver. Normally, I you know I wanted to make it pizza, but I can settle for Portillo's. I think I, I'm not above Portillo's. They have pizza at Portillo's. Since when? Don't they? Do. It's hot dogs and, and beef and stuff. They don't have pizza. I think at they have slices. Of, I think they have pizza slices at Portillo. That's news to me. That is that is news to me. Yeah. I know that they usually partner with that. Uh, what's that pasta place? Like Pirelli's yeah. or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Do they have pizza? I I thought they had slices. I thought you could get a slice. Maybe at Portillo. Prove me wrong. I don't know. Do you know they, that my autographed picture is up on the wall at Portillo's? Uh, the one here downtown. All of them. Each one. Oh wow! They took my. They asked for. They asked for because I was talking about you know how great I love how much I love Portillos and somebody who worked for the company was like, hey, s- s- give us an eight by ten and sign it, and then they made copies of it because I've had people take pictures of it and go because I thought it was just going to be the one down here, sure, in uh, River East. I thought that was you know going to be the 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 one, but it, people you know, were people were taking pictures of you know the suburban yeah the suburban places and going yeah you're you're right by the where we pick up the food. Very nice. Do you, do you know uh, what other celebrities you might oh, be Oh, no, no, no. In, in the downtown one, I don't know. if They, they may have taken mine down at this point. Like, this was, a, this was this a long time. Well, this is a long time ago. Um, but I used to be, and I, I just thought, and somebody took a picture of, of, of the one in the downtown area before I had gone to, you know, to, to see it finally, you know. And... Um, they put me next to Jim Belushi. I, I was I was about to say that. I was like, there is no way he's not right next to Jim Belushi. <laughs> right next to Jim Belushi. I wonder if Dennis Farina's in there. He's got to oh, be in there. Oh, yeah. He's got to be in there. You but, know, his, his, yesterday was uh, seven years. Oh, really? Yeah. The great Dennis Farina. Yeah. But yeah, no, right next to Jim, according yeah, to Jim. Yeah, Jim Belushi. They put me next to Jim Belushi. <laughs> Star of uh, About Last Night. And Red Heat. Oh, who could forget Red Heat? Yeah. Him and Arnold. 
Walter Hill made that movie. Masterpiece. Ugh. So uh, delivery is uh, what we're talking about here. Lots of people are, we're all, you know, basically stuck inside now. So if you've been on either end of it, if you are a delivery person and you have some stories that you would like to share, 312-981, or are you, is there an uptick in your uh, ordering uh, things over, over uh, online and getting them delivered to you? 312-981-7200. So... We have some FedEx uh, stories here. Here are things that FedEx drivers won't tell you. Uh, FedEx's fleet of well-organized drivers transport our online orders, urgent mailings, and business correspondence in record time. But just like any other job, this one has its own secrets. Did you know FedEx drivers can choose to skip your house? Um, You'll see what goes on behind these uh, deliveries. Note that a lot has changed due to the coronavirus pandemic, so it's important to stay up to date on what FedEx and other mail carriers are doing. Um, so here are some uh, some secrets that the FedEx drivers uh, the FedEx drivers won't tell you. FedEx may not ship your stuff. You may think that you can ship anything that fits in a box, but there are no nos to be aware of. Uh, besides anything illegal in the senders or receiver's state, other items may require asking your local FedEx office for approval. Um, we cannot ship animals of any kind, though some reptiles and fish are okay, says John, a FedEx driver in New York, who wanted us to only use his first name. I was... I, 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 I just think that that sounds completely logical, that they're not going to ship animals you're gonna fedex animals (laughs) uh dry ice is okay as is some radioactive material as long as you've cleared it with the fedex dangerous goods hotline first who who mans the phones at the fedex dangerous goods hotline i wonder (laughs) kind of job is that Certain explosives cannot be shipped, and alcohol requires a special shipping agreement. Before you try skirting a rule, uh, a rule, ask first. Uh, okay. Some of that, some of that in that in the, in that in that paragraph right there, just makes complete sense to me. I don't think they needed to explain it. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to talk more about FedEx drivers and what they won't tell you. And if you are ordering more things while you're in and getting uh, more things delivered, including food, we want to hear from you at 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. Coming up after midnight, our good friend Dan Feinberg is going to join us, TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter, and the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. 
We've been talking about how uh, we've all been stuck inside, and are we ordering more things online and having them delivered, and are you ordering more food and having them delivered? And we have some stories of, speaking of delivery, FedEx. <laughs> um, they will send your box back if, you, if you're not paying attention. Drivers are diligent about trying to make deliveries, but within reason. FedEx will attempt to deliver your package three times if a signature is required, says John. After the third attempt, uh, they call you uh, to come pick it up. If they don't have a number on file, they will contact the shipper or send it back to them. So if you come home to one of those pesky delivery notifications, don't ignore it. You can reschedule a delivery by going to FedEx.com, an easy way to make sure you don't miss out on something important. Um, now, you know that there's a there's like a hidden little thing in the FedEx logo, right? It's an arrow, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the arrow. Genius. Yeah. Federal Express. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had a, um, a delivery from, uh, uh, from UPS not too long ago, and my doorbell doesn't work. So whenever, you know, whenever I have like food delivered, they call me, they call my cell phone and say, Hey, I'm out front and I buzz them in and I don't have a lot of visitors, you know, and if I, if I don't know someone and they're ringing my doorbell, I'm not going to answer it anyway. So it's totally fine. So, um, I ordered, you know, I ordered, uh, replacement checks for my check, for my checking account because I was, I, I ran out of checks. So I ordered replacement checks. And that's kind of an important thing. So when I called to order them, they didn't tell me that it was going to be UPS. I thought it was just going to be delivered, you know, through through the Postal Service, United States Postal Service. But I go outside one night, and the sticker is on the outside window on, on the door. And I was like, ugh. So um, they had to be picked up. So my folks actually don't live very far from where the pickup was, where the UPS office was. So they picked them up for me. But yeah, I didn't know that was going to happen. I had no idea. They should tell you ahead of time that they're going to UPS it, right? Well, usually if you look at the tracking number, like if you get an email confirmation or something. But I guess with checks, they might not tell you. No, I, I was just talking to the dude on the phone. Oh, okay. You were ordering checks. Over yeah. Or, well, I had... I had put it in order and they hadn't arrived yet and i was calling to check on them and i was like hey you know i'm, I'm running real low on checks here and it's not like i write a ton of checks anymore because you know a lot of people just you know like and i i have like a lot of people play you know pay electronically on a lot of my bills you know what i mean but there are a few bills like my utilities and my rent that i still write the old-fashioned check for and those are important bills, you know, like my, my rent and my utilities. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I call the guy up on the, you know, and he's like, yeah, we'll get him out to you, man. And I just mail him out. And I'm like, all right. And then I, it was UPS. So. Yeah, UPS. I had to, I had to chase down a UPS truck once for a bookshelf. <laughs> you had to chase down a UPS truck? Well, chase... Chase might be a little bit of a hyperbole. I had to go to a guy, go to a UPS truck that was parked in a jewel right by my house. Why didn't he deliver it to your house? 
So this was early on when I moved into my in, into where I live now. Yeah. And uh, my name had not yet been put. Oh, it's got one of those little yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. concierge box. I, I got that's you. a word. Yeah. So they would try to deliver it. Right. They would try to buzz me so I could buzz them in. They they would. Just but your put name it in wasn't there. out there. My name was not out yeah, there, and yeah. I kept getting the tags. And I would call them and be like, "All right, you need to come at this time and to please call me." And they never would. And then, well, why didn't you just put your name on the thing? It it was with the HOA. They had to do it, and I kept telling them, "Can you please put my name in there? I need a package delivered." And the guy was like, "Yeah, yeah, no, we'll take care of it." And it just didn't happen. Oh, it I just see. wasn't happening. I see. So. <laughs> it was the final attempt. It was that third attempt. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Before they ship it back, man. And this is this is a hundred pound bookshelf. You know, it's, so you had to meet the guy at the jewels. Yeah, I called the dispatch. I ca- I was like, please, can I talk to UPS dispatch? Please, although I can't come get this. I don't have a car. I don't have anything to come get this from you. This is my only shot. And they said, all right, you know what? The truck. You know where that jewel is. Over by you, where you know your your location, Broadway and Sheridan. Broadway and Sheridan. Yeah, get on over there because he's parked in there. He's like taking That's a break. Ridiculous. Yeah. So imagine me. That's completely I, ridiculous. I walk up to the truck. <laughs> and I swear this guy probably thought I was about to rob him. He, I, I would have thought that. He looks looks at me. There's this guy just walking up to his truck. If I were him, I'd be like, "This is trouble. This is trouble right here." And said, "Uh, hey man, I live at this address. This is my name." Uh, can I get my bookshelf? And he was just like, oh, yeah, you're the bookshelf guy. And then, like, just handed it to me off the truck. He's like, all right, see ya, and drove off. So you carried a 100-pound bookshelf back to your apartment from the jewels. Yeah, it took me, like, <laughs> 20 minutes. That's ridiculous. <laughs> just because I had to stop a few times well, of course to you catch did. my breath. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I carried it on my back. That is was- absolutely ridiculous. Now, wait a minute. So was this bookcase? It was a bookcase, you said, right? Yeah, bookcase. It was in pieces. Was oh, in I was going to say, because it, it wasn't like we were carrying an assembled, assembled bookcase. That would be quite an image right there. You got an actual assembled bookcase strapped to your back. People were looking at me like I was walking the passion. You know, they were just like, this poor guy, he's sweating. You know, he's in flip-flops. Oh, God, you were in flip-flops? Yeah, all I was missing was the crown of thorns. Come on, and man. And I would have been all set. Un- oh, unreal. Flip-flops. And when I brought it in, my girlfriend's like, so do you want to put it together? I was like, not, not right not, now. Not right now. Not right now. <laughs> not right now. I'm going go, to go, go take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's a weird, That's crazy. That's just crazy. You had to meet the UPS guy in the parking lot of a jewel. <laughs> that's nuts man all right more fedex facts they may choose to skip your home if a delivery address is located in a neighborhood that feels a little dicey many times drivers will make a decision on whether or not to leave the package for the recipient if they aren't home when shipping or receiving a package consider whether uh, or not you want it delivered to your home address or another location is preferable to avoid any missed deliveries Well, that makes sense. Uh, the drivers do not have to come inside. Drivers don't have to carry boxes into your home, particularly if they don't feel comfortable doing so. We had a female driver bring back a heavy box one time because the customer asked her to bring it into his house for him. She refused, and he asked her to deliver it another time. The box ended up opening, and inside was a real sex doll. 
they uh, called the customer to tell him that uh, he had to come to the station to pick it up. <laughs> yeah, you want to come down here and pick up your sex doll? Yeah, thanks, pal. No judgment, pervert. Uh, her name's Janice. Yeah. You take care of her, okay? Here's Ted on WGN. Hi, Ted. Hey, how's it going, guys? All right, what's up? Hey, I um, I, I worked as a pizza delivery driver a number of years ago, and there was a guy that I worked with who, uh, <clears throat> he's always really cool with me, but he <laughs> he got into a brawl one night. It wasn't at work, but um, he got hurt rather seriously, and when he come back to work, um, somehow he worked it out with the owner. He, uh, when he come back to work, he took the front passenger seat, uh, out of his car and, uh, he brought his pit bull along with him on deliveries. And, uh, <laughs> and I kid you not, I mean, I mean, we, we did work on a rough side of town and this guy got messed with like, not at all with that dog with him. Yeah, I bet, man. <laughs> I bet. Well, that's, that's, that's cool. I love the fact that he took out the seat in his car. Well, the idea was is when he would get out of this car, he would leave the driver's side door open, and if something was to happen, he'd call the dog. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it was all planned out, man. That's outstanding. <laughs> that is outstanding. Oh, that's a great and, story. And the, and the extra part to that is this particular store that we worked at, it had a lot of front windows in it, and the, and the drivers would all pull up, like, right in front of the store, and you could look inside to see if there was a pizza waiting, you know, if an order was yeah. ready on the rack. Yeah, yeah. And one night they come pulling up, and both both he and the dog are looking inside the store. <laughs> and and the guy, one of the guys I was working with, we looked at each other, and it's just like, which one do you think is actually taking the order up to the door? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Ted, thanks, buddy. You bet. Have a good All night. Right, have a good one. That's awesome. All right, I'm not going to get messed with anymore. I'm bringing my pit bull with me. <laughs> Pebbles the pizza delivery pit bull. Oh, man. That's 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 pretty classic. Speaking of uh, uh, dogs, F, uh, the uh, FedEx, they don't love your dog. For the love of everything, if you have an anxious dog or one who isn't particularly fond of strangers, please keep it at bay while expecting a delivery. I was trying to deliver a package to a home right it was getting dark, said FedEx driver Randy Iman. Uh, the dog was frantic, and I could see he was scared of me as he ran and hid in the garage. While trying to ease the package to a spot near the garage, but out of the path of any cars, the homeowner suddenly came out. As soon as he spoke to me, the dog attacked me and bit me three to four times in the same spot on my leg. Wow. Jeez. Well, you know, the whole uh, mailman dog thing, that, that, that's a, you know, a legendary cliche. And sometimes cliches are cliches because they're real. You know what I mean? And that's definitely one of them. So the dangers of being a FedEx driver. All right. All right, well, just make sure you tip your delivery person, whoever it is. Tip them. You know, because they're out there on the front lines, too. So, hey, you know Dan Feinberg? You know Dan Feinberg. Dan Feinberg is a TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. He joins us um, every couple of weeks to talk about TV, and you can follow him at the fine print, F-I-E-N, and uh, we'll talk TV after the news. In the corner. All 
right. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio on a Thursday morning. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Um, coming up, we are going to talk about uh, great inventions that were made by mistake, uh, movies that people think are cursed. And uh, we got a, a guy who sawed his neighbor's garage in half in a property dispute. So we're going to talk about uh, having bad neighbors or weird neighbors and things like that. Also, at 2.30 every uh, weekday morning, we play back some classic stuff from the Johnny Carson Show. You can watch the Johnny Carson Show on Antenna TV every night. And uh, we play back sketches, and we play back stand-up and interviews and things like that. So, uh, and the classic Carson uh, clip that we're going to play this morning from 1976, Jonathan Winters. So, we can expect insanity. Uh, Valerie Gangus is going to join us, too. She, she'll be coming up a little bit uh, later on. She's an author, a speaker, and a transcendental meditation expert. And she's going to help us uh, all just sort of relax and calm during this weird time. 312-981-7200 is the phone number on the Team Hockberg phone line. 312-981-7200. Uh, our good friend Dan Feinberg, TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter, he joins us biweekly to talk about TV. You can follow him at The Fine Print. And uh, let's welcome Dan to the show. Hello, Dan. Hello, Nick. How are you? Well, uh, California is increasingly back under lockdown. On the other hand, apparently they're starting to play baseball tomorrow. So everything is strange, Nick. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, I I watched a little baseball uh, just this, uh, this evening. And I have to say uh, that uh, I, I am, uh, Endlessly amused by the cardboard cutouts that they're using uh, in the in the in the crowd. The Los Angeles uh, behind home plate with the stars uh, crowd is pretty fantastic. It's important, for example, that you can still have Mary Hart behind home plate if the game at Dodger <laughs> Stadium because that's just did they uh, what people need. Is Larry is Larry King out there? I suspect he has to be because you can't have Mary Hart and not Larry King. Yeah. Uh, but I, I specifically noticed Mary Hart in the few minutes of highlights I watched. But then, of course, you know, there's there's the piped-in sound and the empty stadiums. It's all very peculiar. And the Blue Jays, as of the last I heard, can't find a place that will actually let them play baseball. And yeah. No one thinks that's at all strange. Uh, and and no one can actually go into New York city from like 14 different states but again no one finds that at all strange no one's worried about these things so who am i to be worried about it let's play ball (laughs) it's a weird time we're living in dan uh Uh, but uh, but let me tell you i'm still going to be watching the baseball games tomorrow yeah oh yeah no 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 it's i i i need baseball i'm telling you right now i I I miss it and I need it. I also miss hockey and I need that too. And uh, we're supposedly starting that. When when is that? Is that Tom? Is that August first? Is uh, I believe August. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be weird to see hockey. That's, that's a couple weeks. It'll be it'll be just it'll be very weird to see hockey in in July and August. <laughs> so there is there is no part of this that isn't weird. All of the videos from the bubble that the NBA is in in Orlando. Those yeah. are all weird. It's, you know, strange times. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's talk TV, shall we? Because ah, that's at least business as usual. Exactly. <laughs> all right, okay. We have to start with what was, without question, 
uh, the most difficult, uh, d- the most disappointing hour of television that I've seen in a very, very long time, and I'm talking about the 30 Rock special. Oh, my God, was it bad. It was so, so bad. I mean, yes, you're, the, the first thing to note is, yes, you are correct. Um, it was it was not good. Um, the, the problem comes when we refer to it as a special, mm-hmm. because... It was not. It was not a thing that human beings were ever supposed to see. It was a thing that was made for advertisers. Yep. And for whatever reason, NBC decided it was a good idea to put it on the air because they figured out oh, it's a stunt. They didn't anticipate that lots of their affiliates would prefer not to actually air it. Yeah. So yeah, lots yeah. and lots of people around the country didn't get to see it. Uh, I, wish, I, wish I, was, I wish I was. I wish I was one of them. <laughs> uh, but you still would have you still would have sought it out on Hulu. Or no, something. I would. Of course, I would have. Yeah, of course, I would have. Yeah. Even if I told you it was awful, even if everyone had told you it was awful, you would have sought it out, and you wouldn't have been wrong because you know you're a Thirty Rock fan, and, yep. and so of course. But yeah, it was it was bad. It was embarrassing. It was uncomfortable. Uh, the thing I compared it to was either when you hear a story about like. Drake performing three songs at his dentist's son's bar mitzvah or something, <laughs> where there's this strange obligation that everyone's there for and they're just trying to make the best of it, or, or when like Brad Pitt does peanut butter commercials in Thailand and assumes that no one will ever see them in the States, and then somehow they end up coming back over here, and you're like, whoa, that was a, that was a bad thing he decided to do. So, yeah, that's, that's what it felt like. It, it felt like Except it wasn't even like they had a professional obligation. That's the thing. I don't even know what the contracts were on this because, yeah, they were advertising for Peacock, and you understand how that benefited them. But I don't know if I don't know what NBC had to pay and what was under a promotional budget. But regardless, it was never a thing that human beings were supposed to be shown. It was supposed to play at the upfront presentation to advertisers, and that's it. And instead, we got to experience the very uncomfortable hour-long commercial for peacock yeah so yeah yay yeah no it was i I just was i was i was just stunned at how bad it was and um you know and so disappointed because you know i i love 30 rock and i love everybody on that show and i was so excited to to see them all again and um man i mean i it was just so bad there were things that I was finding myself interested by or amused by throughout it wasn't like i was laughing really ever but it was like okay oh so lutz is married to sue i didn't realize that yeah Great. yeah and apparently yeah. they're married so nifty that was fine um like with the snl live episodes not live episodes snl from home whatever that was yeah there was some of the amusement of seeing what people's houses look like yeah so yay yeah yeah <laughs> uh, i'm trying to think of anything else no not much else. no much. no it was just it was incredibly disappointing okay dan hang on okay Sure. All right, Dan Feinberg is with us. He is a TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. You can follow him at The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. Uh, lots of TV to talk about, and if you have a TV-related question or a comment and you want to jump in with us, we would love that. 312-981-7200, 312-981-7200. All right, and uh, we'll continue. Ooh, 
Hey, it's Nick DiGilio on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock on a Thursday, right? It's Thursday, <laughs> Thursday morning. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Dan Feinberg is a TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. You can follow him at The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. He joins us a couple of weeks, every couple of weeks to talk TV. If you have any uh, TV-related questions or comments, you can call us on the Team Hochberg phone line at 312-981-7200. And here's Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello, Nick. All right. Uh, Tell us about intelligence. Intelligence. Well, intelligence is one of two uh, British transplants that were part of the launch of Peacock last week. And you, of course... Everyone knows all about Peacock because it was the thing being advertised throughout the Thirty Rock special. So, uh, right. so yay. Uh, intelligence is the quote-unquote comedy from that group. Uh, and mostly it was brought over for the Peacock launch because, well, Peacock doesn't have access to friends. So they got the next best thing, which was a British sitcom starring David Schwimmer as a NSA operative who gets sent over to liaise with the cyber crimes division of some British intelligence service, and he butts heads with people, and that's pretty much the joke. Uh, definitely, there is no question that the UK has a tradition of truly excellent workplace sitcoms about largely repellent people in single locations being unfortunate co-workers to each other, and this kind of is supposed to fit in in that tradition. It's just not really very funny. Uh, the most funny thing in it, unquestionably, is David Schwimmer, who is playing a, a gigantic jerk, and it is a thing that he does very, very well. He has sort of turned all of Ross's annoying eccentricities from friends up a few notches, but only a few notches, because Ross was, of course, already a bit of a sociopath. Uh, <laughs> but he's he's worse in this case, much, much worse, largely because he probably is carrying a gun. Well, maybe not carrying a gun in the UK, but he, he would have a license to carry one in the, in the United States. But yeah, there, there's no particular humor to it. There's no angle to it other than here's an awful American and all of his new British co-workers look at him funny and then he does something else awful. And then he does something else awful and then it's time for another episode. They go by reasonably quickly. It's only six episodes, but I don't think I laughed in six episodes, so... There you go. But David Schwimmer's fine. I mean, I, I think he does the thing he does extremely well. Uh, and I think he could be, in this very same character, part of a much better show. This just currently is not that show, unfortunately. Um, who's behind this one? Uh, the creator is Nick Muhammad, who is actually one of the co-stars in it and has given himself possibly the only sympathetic character in the entire series, playing the the primary person who David Schwimmer's character is working with, and probably within a cast of uh, characters who are largely awful, the most sympathetic of the characters, because all he wants to do is for have this uh, boorish American be friendly to him, and he's never going to be, so 
Yeah, uh, this is the first show he's created. You can definitely see the tradition that he wants to be working in here, but yeah, just not not very good. Um, it aired on Sky One in the UK, and it has already been renewed for a second season. And I can see how a second season might be better than the first because you know you spend time establishing the characters, and maybe in the second season you start paying off the things you establish. I I don't know, but I would not be. Hugely enthusiastic to right. watch anymore, personally. So it's available on Peacock right now? Um, some of it is. Uh, I will not even pretend to know how Peacock is rolling out its TV shows because okay. it's really all confusing. Also, Peacock has the whole, it's free unless you want to watch their originals thing going on, uh, but I can't imagine anyone wanting to pay money to watch intelligence okay. so all right all right there you go there you go so not good okay we have uh, someone on the line here if you want to jump in with a tv uh, question or comment 312-981-7200 here's thomas on wgn hey thomas hi good morning nick uh and david uh i was calling to see if either one of you have watched the program that airs here on uh the wttw prime station called the frankie drake mysteries i think it's produced out of canada yeah, it's a Canadian show. I've not watched it. Dan, have you watched it? Um, I have not Damn. watched it. I get regular press. I get regular press releases about it, though. So I know that uh, that both people are very enthusiastic about it in Canada, where apparently it's very, very well received, and they've actually brought it a couple times to uh, to press tour uh, to promote because it is apparently very successful on CBC in, in Canada. But no, I have I have not watched it, but I know that some people really enjoy its charming Canadianness. So do you like it, Thomas? Oh, I love it. It's a story about a private detective agency run by two women, one of whom is black and the other one is white. And there's a third young lady who's a, um, a uh, police officer set in the 1920s, and it has uh, historical figures like Hemingway, uh, presented in the uh, storylines that they'll bring in, like gangsters from the twenties and stuff. So it's really and it's fun. It's humorous and it's serious and it's it's fun. Oh, okay, cool. All right, thanks, Thomas. Thanks, Frankie Drake Mysteries. I have not uh, I have not seen that. How often do we? I mean, do we have a, a, a ton of Canadian shows on American TV, Dan? Um, a pretty fair number actually, because they sort of percolate over because the more cable networks need to fill space, the more they pop up. And, you know, this is obviously one that is in a a familiar genre, but with a period twist. And it, it stars uh, Lauren Lee Smith, who was on CSI for a couple of years. She's, she's semi-recognizable. She did a bunch of reasonably uh, well-received indie movies about 20 years ago or so. So, you know, she, she's kind of a, a near name. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, this is the kind of thing, trust me, I feel like we're probably going to get more and more shows like this over the next couple months because people will be looking up north to fill programming space while we figure out when we'll be able to get, begin production again and how. Okay. Um, so I wanted to mention this. You uh, you uh, and your, your colleague, Leslie Goldberg, uh, talked with um, Sarah Bareilles. We did indeed. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Sarah Bareilles and uh, Jesse Nelson, her co-creator of Apple TV Plus's Little Voice, uh, joined us on uh, our TV's Top 5 podcast two weeks ago. And that was a great pleasure, uh, both 
because Sarah Bareilles is pretty cool in her laid-back way and because my colleague Leslie is a large Sarah Bareilles fan, not quite as large as her wife is, but a yeah. large Sarah Bareilles fan. So <laughs> there was a lot of excitement around having Sarah Bareilles there. And she's a good interview. She's, she's really... She's really smart and and entirely likable, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I think she's great. I've always been a huge fan. I also love the fact that um, Felicity influenced Little Voice. What, what, did, what, <laughs> what, what did she say about that? Any any chance I get to talk about Felicity, I take it. Oh, and trust me, I know that. Um, <laughs> basically, we, we, we asked them about the, the sort of vague oddness of Little Voice being a J.J. Abrams production, because... Lately, when we think of J.J. Abrams, we think of big, shiny red balls and gigantic uh, spaceships and all of his J.J. Abrams stuff. And, of course, as both Sarah Bareilles and Jesse Nelson noted, you know, his first TV project was Felicity. Yes, it was. (laughs) and, And so when you put it in that context, Little Boys actually makes a lot of sense. It is a story of a young woman trying to find her voice in, in Manhattan. I, you know, what is what is Felicity if not that? So they did a pretty good job of selling how how it made sense for J.J. Abrams in a way that I hadn't necessarily thought of previously. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was a good sell they made. Yeah. I, I remember hearing a story that, uh, that uh, Carrie Russell uh, told on a talk show years and years ago. About how they were at a they were they wrapped up one of the seasons of Felicity, um, and uh, they were at the wrap party and they and and they had, they were all getting pretty tipsy. And uh, Felicity or Felicity, I'm sorry, uh, Carrie Russell came up to him and said <laughs> she was you know she was she had had a few, and she comes up to J.J. Abrams and she said, uh, "Hey, wouldn't it be hilarious if we found out uh, that Felicity was actually a secret agent?" And that's how Alias was born. <laughs> um, I think that would be, I think that would be the version of the story that Carrie Russell would tell if she was hoping to maybe get some uh, residuals out of it. But yeah, <laughs> I've definitely heard the I've heard the alias was pitched as "What if Felicity but a spy?" Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know, of course, that would be a very logical way. And I kind of miss that that somewhat more grounded version of J.J. Abrams. I wish he would return to that a little bit more, but it's it's hard if you've been entrusted with several of the biggest space-related franchises yeah, in the world. absolutely. No question about it. All right, uh, Dan, hang on. Sure. All right, Dan Feinberg is with us. He's the TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. You can follow him at The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. Lots more TV to talk about with Dan and some of the reviews that he's that he's done. And if you have any uh, question or comments relating TV to TV, 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. We will continue. Hello, it's Nick DiGilio, live in the Skyline studio in WNWGN. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Valerie Gangus is going to join us. She is an author, a speaker, and a transcendental meditation expert. We're going to talk about how maybe we can use a little bit of that during these uh, anxiety-filled times. 312-981-7200 is the phone number if you would like to join us. We're talking TV with Dan Feinberg, who joins us every couple of weeks. He's a TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. And you can follow him at thefineprint.com. That's F-I-E-N. 
And uh, hello, Dan. Hello, Nick. Okay. Uh, we have uh, another caller on the line. It's Trucker Rich. Go ahead, Rich. Hey, good evening, Nick. Yeah, for Mr. Feinberg, I mean, I know a lot of the shows like NCIS and Chicago shows are on, I guess you call it hiatus because of the pandemic, but has like Live PD and Live Rescue been axed and dropped permanently, or are they just off because of the pandemic? Have you heard? Uh, Live PD was canceled uh, amidst the uh, police protests last month or the month before. God, it's amazing the way time is going yeah. into a vortex. Yeah. Um, I believe they're I believe they're planning on reconceiving what that show is and what it can be because it's a show that's important to the network and it is a show that's extremely popular. Uh, but as of right. now it is it is it is gone fallow. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I just didn't know if if it was gone forever because it was kind of interesting to watch. You know, it's kind of showed what they what the, what the police went through. You know. Right. Okay. All right, Rich. Thanks. All right. Yep. Thank you. All right. Yeah, they canceled, and then they they canceled cops too, which you know. They did, and that and that one I suspect. Well, everything comes back. Uh, you know, I would not be the least bit surprised if if cops is rebooted in five years or heck three years. You know, who knows? Who knows what the world is going to be in two months, much less in five years? Uh, but the cops brand is a very strong and powerful brand, and I expect it will lay low and find a way to poke its head out. When the time is right, and I assume that uh, the Live PD uh, brand will also find a way to come back in some form or another, just not the form that it was in when it was last airing. Now, and Cops was like kind of the cornerstone for Fox, right, when they first launched? It was It was a cornerstone, to be sure. I don't think we give it the same credit that we give you know, your, your Married with Children's or, you know, going a couple years later, you know, uh, 90210, or ultimately The Simpsons, which you know is kind of the show that "quote unquote" made the network. Yeah. unless you just want to view American, unless you just want to view American Idol as the show that made the network. Um, but yeah, definitely it was it was a cornerstone because, because it was cheap and they could air a lot of it, and that's the kind of thing that really, really is useful, regardless of whether you're cable or broadcast. Is if you can just start pumping out dozens upon dozens of episodes of something that costs you almost nothing to make. Yeah, that could, that can really help you launch a brand. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very very true. I, and it was a, it was inc- I mean, I know it was an incredibly popular show. I mean, how many years was it on? Oh god, it must have been like 20 I think 27 or something was the number that we were giving a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, but again, like everything else, it just sort of gets sucked into the black hole of my my quarantine brain, uh, but yes, it, it and then it went off and aired elsewhere for a while as well. It, you know, it, it, there's a there are a lot of people who really love that brand and who will someday someone will want to bring it back. Yeah. Uh, we'll see, <laughs> we'll see how. Okay. Um, by the way, you know, to get back really quickly to the uh, to the Thirty Rock uh, show. Uh, you did. Po- you did post. Uh, there wasn't any sort of acknowledgement acknowledgement of uh, Rip Torn in the hour long Thirty Rock commercial for Peacock. Was there? I could have totally missed it. Uh, no, you didn't miss it. There was no no Rip Torn. No Rip Torn and, mention. You know, and I and I tweeted it, and and when I tweeted it, as soon as I had pressed 
send, my response was, well, of course not. It's an advertising presentation, and you know, you don't, you don't need to, you don't need to show respect for human beings if that's what you're making. So, like, I don't think there's any chance at all that if they had truly made for audiences and fans of Thirty Rock a reunion hour long episode, that they wouldn't have honored Rip Torn. Yeah, but because this was just something that was meant to sell products to advertisers, no one needed to be respectful or thoughtful or introspective, and certainly no one was. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, it did It did seem strange that, uh, you know, especially considering what the plot line was, that you'd... you'd the quote-unquote quote yeah, plot line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 what the weird sort of barely a premise was. Um, that you wouldn't, you know, have to acknowledge Rip Torn, um, who was just so great uh, on that on the show. Well, he was great on everything. I, th- I think if nothing else, if you had done it in a legitimate format, you would have, for example, just had a had a picture of Rip Torn on on Jack Donaghy's desk or something. You know, you could anything, just something as small as that. You know, a picture of Alec Baldwin and Rip Torn together. Yeah. Period. That was all you needed, and everyone would have gone, ah, okay. That's right. Uh, but, yeah, this this was not the format where anyone was going to think to do that. And, again, they, as they were making it, they couldn't possibly have thought that they were making this thing for actual humans to see. So right. they didn't put in the consideration they might have given otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Now, would would this be like a thing? Like, did, did NBC, I mean, what, do we know any behind-the-scenes stuff? Did NBC come, go to Tina Fey and say, hey, we want to broadcast this? And she was like, okay. I assume that's what it was, and I assume then that there were contractual discussions and everybody got a little bit more money, and, and I'm sure that was a very nice thing. But, yeah, I, I assume that at a certain point they said, okay, well, <laughs> we could use it, and we got okay numbers for the uh, the Parks and Rec special, and people were very and people were very generous to that. And people, people really were, I would say, significantly more complimentary towards that than the actual product warranted but people that meant that people at nbc could go well there's a lot of nostalgia out there and people are desperate to get new incarnations within that nostalgia let's put this on you know yeah. what's the worst that could happen and, yeah. <laughs> and i guess to some degree they probably saw it yeah okay all right uh tell us about the capture uh the capture is the other of the two british imports uh that premiered with Peacock last week, okay. and it is um, also not from anyone who anyone would know. It is from a single writer-director, which is a little bit unusual, uh, Ben Channon, who has worked on shows including The Missing in the UK, and is, you know, a fairly reputable British person, but this is his first sort of writing-directing project, and it's the story of... It's, it's really about how suspicious and prevalent and powerful uh, CCTV is in London and its ability to help people feel like they're being safe and help people feel like being observed at all times and under constant surveillance is good to prevent crime. But what if it turned out that CCTV is not as reliable as as we have to believe it is in order for it to work. Uh, so it's it's a story of a soldier who has just been acquitted for a horrible war crime in Afghanistan, and then he gets accused of kidnapping his barrister, as we say in the U.K. Um, 
And he says, I didn't do it. And then they pull up the CCTV footage and it shows that he did. Well, someone's lying. Is it the man or is it the technology? So it becomes a introspective question like that. And uh, unlike um, intelligence, which has David Schwimmer and a bunch of people, mostly people haven't heard about, this one is, is packed with familiar faces on both sides of the pond. So the star uh, playing the detective who's investigating all of this is Holiday Granger, who has been in many British TV things and periodically pops up in American TV. She played... Uh, Bonnie in the entirely unnecessary Bonnie and Clyde uh, TV miniseries that aired a couple of years ago. Oh, right. Right. Good, but, right. But it did, but it did exist. Uh, I promise. Um, then <laughs> there are, there are an assortment of other familiar faces. Uh, ben Miles, who some people will know as Patrick from the original Bridget, British coupling and from many, many other TV shows plays her boss. Uh, Ron Perlman plays the, somewhat threatening American who is working under shady circumstances in London, a little bit like the David Schwimmer character from Intelligence, but played by Ron Perlman and therefore much more intimidating. Uh, and a bunch of other people who you recognize. And this one is definitely better than Intelligence uh, because I was curious. I, just as simple as that. After the first episode, I was like, okay, I would like to see what the answer to this mystery is. And that goes a long way if you're watching a show that's a mystery. Ultimately, I was a little disappointed by where it went after six episodes, and the resolution I thought was more silly than probably it needed to be. Uh, but if you watch long enough, uh, Famke Jansen pops up also. So Whoa. lots of familiar faces, and it's at least an interesting show. Uh, but once again, if they're asking you to pay for the original content, on Peacock, I would probably not pay for this. Okay. But, you know, if I happen to be a fan of British crime dramas and was kicking around and already had Peacock, it's watchable. Okay. And that also uh, is on Peacock right now. Is our all, and this is also a six episode uh, thing. Also six episodes. This one's an hour long as opposed to Intelligence, which is a half hour. But. And some of these episodes feel a little padded. I'm not sure it's really six episodes worth of story, but there, there's some interesting stuff here and some interesting paranoia and kind of real-world what-if pseudo-sci-fi to it, which is interesting. And again, London is, this is a fact of life in London, the CCTV surveillance everywhere. And so it's a thing to... It's a serious thing to consider in a not hugely serious format. Okay. All right. So that's called The Capture, and it's on Peacock, wherever you have that, but you have to pay for this one. You have to pay for this one like you'd have to pay for intelligence and like you'd have to pay for Brave New World. Okay. All right. All right, Dan, hang on, okay? Sure. All right. Dan Feinberg is with us, and we're talking TV. And if you would like to jump in, it's 312. 312- Nine eight one seven two hundred three one two nine eight one seven two hundred, and Dan Feinberg joins us every couple of weeks. He's a TV critic for the Hollywood Reporter, and we'll get back to our conversation about TV. Uh, if you have a TV related question or a comment, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred right here on seven twenty WGN.
Hello. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Uh, we are uh, live in the Skyline studio here. Um, and we're here till 4 o'clock. Coming up after uh, 1 o'clock or so, Valerie Gangus is going to join us. She is an author, a speaker, and a transcendental meditation expert. And, um, you know, she's got some stuff that we're going to talk about, stories. And, of course, uh, during this uh, strange time, there's a lot of anxiety happening to people. And we're going to maybe get a little advice from her on how we can try and deal with that. Uh, and the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. 312-981-7200 is the phone number if you would like to join us. We're talking TV. Dan Feinberg, TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. You can follow him at The Fine Print. Joins us every couple of weeks to talk TV, and we got more TV to talk about. If you want to jump in, it's 312-981-7200. Hello, Dan. Hello, Nick. All right. Uh, we got another caller. Here's Ike. Go ahead, Ike. Hey, Nick. How's it going? How's it going? All right. Go ahead. Yeah, I just want to make a comic real quick that uh, Cobra Kai is moving to is its first the first two seasons is coming to Netflix uh, until it until season three in the fall. I just wanted to let let you guys know that on Netflix. So it's moving to Netflix. Yeah, the first two seasons will be available on August twenty eighth, and then the, the season three will be available in the, sometime in the fall. Okay. All right, Ike. Thanks. No problem. All right. So that's a that's a pretty interesting move, huh, Dan? It is. Uh, YouTube had that little period where they were trying to do original, successful shows, and they actually landed one, and Cobra Kai was actually a big hit, or seemed to be. I mean, who knows? Uh, but it made a cultural splash, oh, and yeah. it was apparently it was apparently not enough to actually sustain YouTube being in the scripted television space, and thus went off into the world and Netflix picked up the second season, the third season rather, which had already been finished in production. And so we'll see now if Netflix is going to be able to get enough juice out of this to make a fourth and fifth and whatever season. But yeah, it, it makes total sense for Netflix as an acquisition. It doesn't yeah. really cost them anything particular. And again, you pick up something that actually has a, a very, passionate fan base and i thought the first season of cobra kai was great i thought the second season was a bit of a disappointment but not a huge disappointment but not as good as the first for me okay all right i uh, i'm gonna watch it you know when it gets to netflix because i i didn't get the youtube thing but uh but i, I you know i i it, it was in the zeitgeist for uh for a long time you know no oh, it, because it's it's far better than you than it has any right to be, and it's the, the first season was really a ton of fun. The second season was fun. I, I think that if the second season had been the first season, I would have thought that was better than it had any right to be. It just happened to be a little bit less successful for me than the first. But no, it, this it's it's an example of how to actually do a reboot that was kind of exceptionally uh, unnecessary and then surprisingly necessary, which. Kind of shocked me. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Tom, you're, you you watched it? I did. I did. Um, I thought it was. I, I agree with. I agree with Dan. Um, it was a really good way to actually do the reboot, especially because, um, you know, I I don't have at that as big of a connection to the Karate Kid as a lot of people uh, because I did not grow up with it. It was you know very much a product of its time, but uh, you know I liked the original well enough, and it was an interesting story. My only fear is that there are people out there that are uh, Johnny apologists, and I don't like that. I think you missed the point. 
Yeah, let's. I, I I like that they complicate the character in the show and they explore him, and I think it's really interesting. But there are people who are like ah, oh, you know, Danielson was a nerd anyway, so forget him. I'm like, guys, you were the bully in high school. That's what that tells me. Is that yeah. You were the bully in high school. Yeah. So all right. <laughs> Sometimes the life of the bully does not always go as planned. That uh, is the lesson. That is the lesson. Learned from Cobra Kai. Yeah. He's waking <laughs> up chugging Coors Lights. That. Yeah. Jeez. All right. Uh, hey, tell us about uh, United We Fall. Um, well, I mean, I could, or you could just forget that it ever existed. I mean, that would be just <laughs> as good a approach to it. Uh, United We Fall um, is... Well, it's the summer's only new broadcast sitcom, so there's that, um, and therein lies the praise for it. It's a lot like a lot of mid-season comedies on various broadcast networks that all pretty much uniformly failed as well. So there was Indebted on NBC, which didn't last very long. There was Broke on CBS, which didn't last very long. There was Outmatched on Fox, which I know several people who actually really liked, uh, but also didn't last very long. Uh, and so now in the summer, we've got United We Fall. And let me tell you, it's probably not going to last very long, but who knows? Uh, it is the story of a couple who have been married for 10 years. They're played by Will Sasso and uh, Christina Vidal-Mitchell, and they have two small children, and they're basically struggling with parenting, which is made extra difficult by the fact that uh, that his mother, played by the great Jane Curtin, in a truly horribly written role, uh, not in any way her fault, but boy, it's a waste of Jane Curtin, uh, she lives with them and is annoying all the time, and then her brother, played by Scandal and Weeds veteran Guillermo Diaz, uh, also pops over occasionally and is really annoying. Uh, There's very little to it. The first couple episodes had one or two moments where I said, okay, that's slightly more than generic. That actually kind of sounds like something that someone might have experienced being a parent. I appreciate the specificity. Uh, but even those moments weren't actually funny. Uh, like in the first episode, uh, they have to take their four or five-year-old daughter to the hospital because she has, let's just say she has a medical condition that we probably can't say on the radio here, but apparently you can totally say on ABC, which is uh, a little bit funny, but there you go. And it's kind of gross and kind of weird, but it felt like the kind of thing that might have actually happened to someone in their family. So, uh-huh, funny. Yeah, it's it's not very good. Uh, it's it's sort of every banal, broad sitcom from the 80s and 90s with very little to recommend it, other than the, the stars aren't bad. Will Sasso's been funny in things. Christina Vidal-Mitchell is funny. The kids are, are decent uh, by child actor standards. So, yeah, but I would I would definitely not. Who who, uh, who created this one? Who's behind this one? Uh, it was created by Julius Sharp. Um, not sure instantly what his other credits are, but not so great. Uh, it has some randomly very very talented people writing for it. The second episode was written by uh, Gloria Calderon Kellett and Mike Royce, who are the very, very talented people behind the One Day at a Time reboot on Netflix and then Pop. Uh, 
And I guess the second episode is a hair better, uh, but also not like good. You, you know, it's not like the second episode is like, oh my God, this is a totally different show uh, just because these writers are much too talented for this. Uh, now it's a kind of boring premise that brings down talented writers, unfortunately. Yeah. But that's sometimes what broadcast TV sitcoms do. Yeah. I always, I always, I always love to see Jane Curtin do anything, you know? She is so much too good for this. Yeah. And, and this is not the kind of thing, like, I would say that Fran Drescher in Indebted, which was, I thought, a pretty bad comedy on NBC, I thought both Fran Drescher and Stephen Weber were good enough that occasionally they overcame really, really boring, badly written characters. Jane Curtin does not oh. overcome a that's, annoyingly written character here. That's too bad. Too bad. So that's United We it Fall is. on ABC. Okay, here's Paul on WGN. Go ahead, Paul. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I just have a few shows I just want to make sure are coming back. Um, that my family and I, we have a couple of teenagers who have all kind of bonded over. So uh, Shit's Creek is one. Shit's Creek, unfortunately, is is done. Yeah, that was his this final last season. last season was the end of Shit's Creek, so enjoy okay. what there was. Um, what about Atypical? Uh, Atypical will be back for a fourth season, but I do not know where that one got caught up in the whole pandemic production shutdown, et cetera. But it was renewed for a fourth and final season, and it will be back at some point. Yeah, unfortunately, and we, unfortunately, we don't know when anything is coming back at this point. Well, of course. <laughs> I just want to make sure it is coming back. And what about both All-American and Outer Banks? Uh, All-American is another one that, you know, is, you know, in the limbo of uh, the world we're living in, but it will be back. It uh, apparently is a massive success for Netflix. It does, it does very little at all on CW, but apparently it is one of the more successful shows on, uh, on Netflix. Go figure. So it will be back as soon as, <laughs> as soon as they can get back to shooting it. Um, and as for Outer Banks, I don't believe it has been renewed yet, but I kind of suspect that that's just a product of no one knowing when they're going to be able to make it again, because it, that was one that premiered without all that much promotion, uh, but that people really did kind of talk about this spring. I think it was a show that that struck a chord because people were stuck at home, and it was actually kind of a perfect show for people who were cooped up. Uh, but yeah, I, I would guess it will be renewed, uh, but it has not been yet. Okay. All right, Paul, thanks for the call. Uh, if you want to jump in, it's 312-981-7200. Outer Banks, remind me what that is. Uh, it was the sort of kind of Goonies meets the OC um, where oh, right, they were right. looking for hidden gold and stuff. And it, it wasn't horrible. I just really, it, it kept reminding me of things that I liked significantly more. Okay. Yeah. I now I now I remember what it was. Uh, I just didn't remember the title of it, but I remember discussing that one too. So, uh, all right, Dan, hang on. I mean, it, pre- it, pre- it premiered a hundred years ago, April. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's, we're in a time warp. That's exactly what we are. Where we are. Dan, hang on. Sure. Okay. Dan Feinberg is with us, and we got more TV to talk about. He uh, TV critic for the Hollywood Reporter. Check him out at the Fine Print. F I E N. F-I-E-N. we got some more uh, TV to talk about. And again, if uh, you want to jump in with a TV uh, question or a comment, 
Um, phone lines are, are open for you. 312-981-7200. Coming up after 1 o'clock, uh, 115-ish or so, Valerie Gangus is going to join us. She's an author, a speaker, and a transmen- uh, transcendental meditation expert. And we're going to try and relax with her. All right. <laughs> Let's go to the news. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. We're here till 4 o'clock. Coming up in uh, just a little bit, uh, Valerie Gangus is going to join us. She's an author, a speaker, and a transcendental uh, meditation expert. Um, We're going to talk about the latest in that and uh, how we can probably use that skill a little bit to get rid of some of the anxiety that we're all feeling at these times. Uh, every weekday morning at 2.30, we play some classic clips from the Johnny Carson Show. You can watch the Johnny Carson Show on Antenna TV every night. We're going to play back uh, some some uh, uh, audio of uh, the insane Jonathan Winters from 1976. Um, uh, we're going to talk about uh, great inventions that were made by mistake and uh, the story of a man who saws his neighbor's garage in half because of a property dispute. <laughs> So uh, we want to talk about uh, if you've ever had any disputes with your neighbors or if you've ever had any crazy or weird neighbors. And I believe everybody has at some point. 312-981-7200. That's our phone number on the Team Hochberg phone line. Dan Feinberg is still with us. He's a TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. And we love to talk TV with Dan. And let's continue to do that. Hello, Dan. Hello, Nick. All right. Hey, tell me about Cursed. Cursed was last week's big uh, Netflix original programming, and it is a high-fantasy revisionist take on the Arthurian legend, which has been reinterpreted many, many times in many different ways. Uh, This is based on the graphic novel by Frank Miller and Tom Wheeler. Uh, Tom Wheeler is the showrunner on the Netflix version, and it is an origin story for the enchanted young woman who eventually goes on to become the Lady of the Lake, Mm. as it were. Um, And so she is played by Catherine Langford, who people will know from either the first two seasons of 13 Reasons Why or from Knives Out, and she is, again, very good here. Uh, I, I like Catherine Langford a lot. Um, she gets to wave a giant sword. She gets to do witchy magic, etc. And she encounters a lot of people from the Arthurian legends, including uh, a not-at-all king, Arthur, uh, who in this incarnation is sort of a mercenary looking for his purpose in the world. Um, and he's played by Devin Terrell, who played one of the two young Barack Obamas in one of the two young Barack Obama movies that came out, I think, in 2016. I don't remember if it was Barry or Southside with me, but one or the other. Okay. Uh, then there's also a, a young Merlin. Well, not a young Merlin, because Merlin is ageless. Uh, but in this incarnation, he's a Merlin who has lost his his 
powers and trying to get them back. He's played by Gustav Skarsgård, who, in addition to being of the Skarsgård dynasty, people will know from Vikings. Um, and yeah, so she's sort of, she gets a very large sword in the first episode, and then she's kind of navigating around a semi-mystical kingdom, because, you know, it's kind of England, but not exactly, uh, and trying to avoid a bunch of evil monks uh, led by one played by Peter Mullen uh, and a weeping monk who likes to kill everyone, and then there are other magical people, etc., etc., etc. And I think as, as a feminist empowerment narrative, somewhat in the mists of Avalon vein, I, I liked it a reasonable amount. I, I like a lot of the actresses here, and some of them have very good material. It just spends a lot of time dropping Easter eggs and references to the Arthurian legend mm. and introducing characters as one thing and then having the characters reveal themselves several episodes, several episodes later. Oh, my name isn't really Frank. It's actually Arthur. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that, was, that was not a spoiler. Arthur reveals himself fairly early on. But it's that kind of thing, and it happens over and over again. And each time it happens, it's ridiculous. And each time it happens, it also reminds you that this doesn't really see itself as being the young woman at its center story. It views it as being kind of a stumbling block or a speed bump that gets us to the King Arthur and Lancelot and all the other stuff that we know about down the road. And I wish it could have just been the story that it is, and it could have been about this young woman finding her power, as opposed to this young woman who eventually will stick her hand out of a lake and hand a sword to someone else. And <laughs> that, that, that's, a, that's a frustration to me. Um, I wish it had just been the story it was supposed to be, a story of a young woman and a sword. Uh, okay. But it's, it's definitely not bad, and it's probably in the vein of Witcher for people who like Twitch. Oh, okay. All right, that makes sense. And that's uh, that's on Netflix right now. By the way, uh, Dan, we have a little audio here. Listen, strange women lying in ponds distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. <laughs> yes. I, at some point, my review led with that, and then I decided I, I just wanted to get into the review. But there was, there was definitely a period, a period that Holy Grail featured heavily in my review because you, you can't well, you can't talk you, you can't talk about the 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 lady of the lake or the arthur legend without mentioning holy grail i mean it's just it's the first thing that comes to mind every time every time no for, for trust me for me as well i watched i watched the clip a dozen times last week as i was watching these episodes <laughs> because i kept being like i kept being like this is a sort of silly place and then i would go off and watch another clip so it was, it was like that the whole <laughs> right. just because some watery tart through a sword at you <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so great uh really quickly fierce city new york versus the mafia tell us about this this is a, a net again netflix and it's a documentary See, Netflix is just making sure that no one runs out of TV. Yeah, so that's thank true. you as always, Netflix. Yeah. Um, this is this is a three episode uh documentary series. It premiered on Wednesday, so I guess that would be yesterday. Right. Or today, depending on your time zone. Uh and it is it's the story of the mob you've seen about a billion times, whether dramatized by Martin Scorsese or other lesser people, uh, or 
really many, many, many documentaries. Uh, but it, it focuses more particularly on the uh, Mob Commission trial in New York City in the mid-'80s, which was overseen by Rudy Giuliani. It was one of the things that made his name. And this is somewhat taking the law enforcement perspective, and so it, it breaks down the challenges of bugging the five families uh, and getting wiretap warrants. And, and I really kind of liked it when it was about the logistics of putting together a RICO case, because you think, okay, that's not going to be so thrilling. It's very entertaining. And then you just kind of randomly have these two professional not really mob snitches, but whatever, uh, you know, the two mobsters they have from the families who have made this into their career and have been in like 50 different documentaries telling the same story, the same stories over and over and over again, and there's nothing fresh to the way any of them tell the stories. And so you're sort of like getting over the parts that are really much too familiar and much too by rote just to get to the parts that are interesting and a little bit distinctive. But if this is the kind of story you like, and lots of people are suckers for this sort of gritty 80s New York yeah. mob type story. I'm one of those people. Uh, I'm, one of those, also, I'm one of those people, Dan. <laughs> yeah, then I, then I think it's, it's painless. But the question of whether after you've watched three hours, you will have learned more than like one or two things you didn't know before. Yeah, I think that I think that's likely. I think if you if you are an enthusiast already, you will know nearly everything oh. in this. Series. Okay, all right, cool. That's Fear City, New York versus the Mafia again. Netflix. Uh, uh, we talked a lot about Netflix this <laughs> this visit. Hey, you know, bless them. If, if it weren't for them, I I might be sleeping more. <laughs> all right, Dan. Always a pleasure, my friend. And we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Stay in, stay safe. Okay. Same to you, Nick. Talk to you later. Okay, see ya. Dan Feinberg, everybody. TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. You can follow him at The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Here till 4 o'clock. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking about um, great inventions that were made by mistake. And uh, a man saws his neighbor's garage in half over a property dispute. So we're going to talk about crazy neighbors, if you've ever had any of those. And uh, if, if we have time, movies that people think are cursed. I'm assuming Poltergeist is uh, among... <laughs> among those movies uh 312-981-7200 is the phone number uh valerie yangus is an author a speaker and a transcendental meditation expert check out valerieyangus.com she joins us periodically to talk about transcendental meditation and much more and uh, let's say hello uh, to valerie valerie i understand you're in colorado I am. I was just in chicago last week but i'm back in uh, colorado now okay well welcome back Thanks. 
Uh, tell everybody about yourself, uh, you know, your background and all that cool stuff. Um, so born and raised in Chicago, uh, had a life changing experience learning transcendental meditation back in 2011. Um, wrote a book called enlightenment is sexy. And now I'm here talking to you. There you go. All right. And, uh, transcendental meditation. Uh, well, tell us, tell us about that. Um, it's a mantra based meditation. So you're given a sound that you use in order to meditate. It's really easy. You're taught by a trained uh, transcendental meditation teacher. It's over the span of four days, about 90 minutes each day. And really like day one, you know how to meditate. Mm. I just, I was taught and I just fell right into it. It was like I had been doing it my whole life, even though I had just learned that day. Yeah. And it was a life changer for you. We've talked about this in the past. Total, total game changer and, and very unexpected. I had no uh, real understanding. I mean, I, I knew like what meditation was in theory, but I had never done it. I didn't really know what TM was. Um, someone just suggested that I try it because I had a really bad sleeping disorder. And I was extremely depressed um, over my mom's death. So I just thought like, I'm going to give it a whirl. And what I got out of it was, um, it was extraordinary. Uh, and do you, who was your instructor? Um, her name was Dr. Carla Brown. She was in Chicago uh, in Hyde Park, right on Lake Shore Drive. And uh, it can now, in, in in terms of what's going on now with the you know with the pandemic, can are there virtual ways to do transcendental meditation? I believe they're um, teaching now online. Uh, you can go to tm.org and connect with a teacher near you and then talk to them about the best way to learn right now. It is one-on-one, so maybe with social distancing, uh, some centers might be teaching. I know that they were also talking about uh, teaching online, which would be very new for them. Mm, Okay. So, I mean, a lot of the, you know, I've I've had so many people on the show uh, during, during the past few weeks, Valerie, that have had to adjust to doing things virtually like i've had musicians i've had stand-up comedians i've had other people in other businesses that they're they're switching over to the virtual thing and it takes a little it takes a little time to adjust it does but i mean it's incredible like everyone's making it work yeah you know we are we are forced into it but i think uh when it's not so new anymore it just kind of becomes like old shoe it's just I've, I've done so many interviews now on Zoom, and at first I was like, oh, God, this is so weird. Now I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting. And, 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 and man, what, 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 has the stock gone up for Zoom during the past couple of months? My God. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> first of all, the coolest part about Zoom, in my opinion, is they have this feature where, like, it makes your skin look a little bit better. It, like, enhances your look. And I'm sure, like... Every person, once they find out about that, they're like, oh, that's a serious bonus. So it was like something you could just throw on your computer, connect to anyone anywhere in the world, look good, clear connection. It's like, why not? Perfect opportunity for that. I did not know that they had that as a function where you could make yourself look a little bit better. Oh, it's there. Is it? It is. It's there. And it really works. <laughs> that's a li- that's a little hot tip for tonight. Oh, there you go. So when you're using the Zoom, you can always make yourself look a little bit better. So uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I'm sure lots of people went on Zoom dates and stuff like that. So it's just you know a tiny enhancement that 
FaceTime doesn't have. <laughs> okay. Sometimes I'm on FaceTime and I'm like, woo, it like scares me. Like it, yeah. it looks a little uh, off, but Zoom, it's a great picture. So I can see why, uh, for many reasons, people were attracted to it during this time. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, has, have, have more people, have you found that more people are, are, are seeking out meditation in at this time uh, as a stress reliever? Um, I certainly have had tons of people contacting me to talk about my experience learning PM. If, if I think that it would help them, um, I definitely feel like people have been searching and have become more aware of like their nervous systems, their sensitivities, their bodies in general. I mean, we're stuck at home and everything on the news is about health. So I think that naturally would turn people uh, inward with a little bit more awareness of like what's happening with their bodies. Yeah. So I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised that more people are looking. Cause I'm, I know that a lot of people um, are looking to relieve the stress of, of what's going on right now. Uh, and it's been such a long I mean, time. Absolutely. It's been such a long time and the intensity, like it won't die down. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's been a real issue. And um, as I found out years ago, like drinking or, you know, trying to solve stress with food or, you know, just like unhealthy habits, like ultimately that does not work and it turns against you. And I think people a month or so into this were finding that out. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. I think at, at first people just didn't know how to deal with it. I mean, you know, this is unprecedented. Exactly. This is unprecedented. We've never been through anything like this. And so I think people were just like, what do we do? What's going on? What's happening? And and you can fall into some bad habits uh, uh, that way. There's no question about it. Absolutely. And it's just no one is used to, you know, being home all the time like that. And it was. It was so scary at first. I I felt like I had no control whatsoever, whatsoever over the situation and, like, I had, I had no idea what was happening, and it was horrifying. Yeah, and I think that I think that everybody can speak to that. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, so, um, but it's 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 it, we're going to talk a little bit about how how maybe we can uh, ease our anxiety or or you know talk about uh, to transcendental meditation uh, and how that may be able to help uh, some people out. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. That's our phone number. Uh, Valerie Gangus is my guest. You can check out ValerieGangus dot com. We're going to talk more. Uh, with her, uh, Valerie, hold on, okay? Sure. Okay, Valerie, uh, Valerie Gangus is with us, and uh, again, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about how we can all just maybe little meditate a little bit to get through uh, this tense, tense time that we're living in. And, and phone, hey, the phone lines are open. If you want to jump in, if you have any questions, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. 312-981-7200. It's Nick DeGilio on seven twenty WGN, and we will return with more uh, coming up. Men crying. 
at Poplar Creek. This always pops into my head. Talk about relieving anxiety. Oh, we were all hugging, crying, flooding Hoffman Estates with our man tears when Steely Dan reunited and played this song. The Dan can do that. At the Rock and Roll, Rock and Soul Review. Yeah. Boz Skaggs. 312-981-7200. That's our phone number if you'd like to join us. My guest is uh, Valerie Gangus. She is an author, a speaker, and a transcendental meditation expert. Check out ValerieGangus.com. Hello, Valerie. Hi. Hi. Well, uh, Steely Dan's my favorite band. So uh, is that like, right? Every time I'm on... Oh, I, when I learned to meditate, I think I told you in a previous conversation, like I was in the restaurant business before all yeah. this started, totally different life. Yeah. And so when I learned to meditate and I was no longer suicidal and sleeping, I was like super healthy. The first thing I wanted to do was open a bar because like, that's the business that I knew. Yeah. And I was going to name it the Nightfly because of one of Donald Fagan's <laughs> albums. <laughs> That's I had awesome. like the whole idea down and I just would like obsess over that album. And, uh, yeah, you yeah. always play great music. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a massive fan of Steely Dan. And, uh, I, I just, I, I, I went to this thing in 1993, as, as I've said before, this thing called the rock and soul review. And mm-hmm. it was a bunch of different acts, including boss Skaggs and, uh, Phoebe snow. Who I love too. Yeah. And, uh, and Fagan and Becker, uh, were there and they reunited on stage and they played Deacon Blues and I'm not kidding the we were like crying because they very rarely oh, I they, get it they very rarely toured the, the Steely Dan and if ever and uh, to have them you know play Deacon Blues and and and, and, I'm, and I'm not exaggerating Valerie well, when the song ended I'm not exaggerating it was like a six minute ovation. I believe it. I saw them at Ravinia, and, like, I showed up at Ravinia, no tickets, nothing, bought uh, a first-row seat from a scalper for face value. Like, I was supposed to be there. And I just, like, they had been my favorite band since forever, and I just soaked it all in. Like, I was in ecstasy. Yeah. I I, I, I totally know where you're coming from. I totally understand where you're coming from. Uh, But the weird thing is, Valerie, they're a very divisive band. Because I don't know, I don't know anyone who says they're okay. I know people who either can't. Oh, I know they either hate them or love them. Exactly, exactly. Let me ask but you: How could you hate Steely Dan? I don't I mean, understand that. That to me is just that's to me. I don't understand it. I just I, I don't get it. That uh, I I love Steely Dan. Hey Valerie, let me ask you this: yeah. do, you, do you use music when you meditate? I don't. Uh. Um. I use I listen to music when I take my like super long walks every day, but no, I don't do I don't use any apps. I don't use anything. It's strictly just your mantra. Mm-hmm. There's no like focusing on your breath or anything. It's, it's really simple. You just sit down and um, think your mantra. You know, I mean, and you've been taught exactly how to do this, but really, it's like I'm on autopilot now. Mm-hmm. I just close my eyes and like boom i'm i'm there and it's just silence for 20 minutes yeah what are some of the so, so do you have do you have tips on on how people can maybe take a little break from reality for a while what what do you what do you suggest for that well i mean i think it's a good idea to incorporate silence into your life somehow some way so i meditate other people like to do yoga but just like turn the tv off and maybe just sit there and if you want to 
um, just be quiet for a little while. That will that will bring you down because we're constantly surrounded by noise. Yeah. There's always something going on. Or even go take a walk with no music, nothing. Just like a walk in nature and be quiet. It will calm your nervous system down. Mm. Yeah, and, and and let's not watch twenty uh, four hour news channels either. That's a. I mean, a hundred percent. That's out. Like, actually, I stopped watching the news months ago because I. I'm really sensitive, and I just was like, hey, this is hurting you. I can't change anything right now, and if something really crazy happened, I knew someone would tell me. But sitting there watching the news every day, day in and day out, it was, like, really bad for my mental health. Yeah, well, I think I think people discovered that. I think a, a lot of people discovered that. Because when all of this first happened, I think a lot of people were like, oh, man, i got to watch the news, i got to find out what's going on, and then... After a while, it damages your psyche, and even even physically, it's bad for you. Absolutely. And then I started, like, completely distrusting the news because I'd watch or read one thing, and then, like, two minutes later, it was like I was reading or watching the opposite thing, and it made me confused and overwhelmed, and, like, I just started not believing anything that was out there. So I just stopped. Yeah. That was my way of dealing with it. Yeah, I think a lot of people do that, too. I think a lot of people have done that. It was like it, it got to the point where it's like I can't watch this anymore. I really have to. I really no, have to. I mean, it's too much. It, and I can remember being a kid uh, and like being in the family room, and my parents watch. They would watch the ten o'clock news every night. Yeah. And I remember back then feeling like disturbed by all like the negativity and like, do I need to hear about a shooting that happened like every single night of the week? You know it. It's not good for your soul. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Hey, uh, you uh, had a, you have a piece on your uh, on your website. Uh, you you've entitled "Let's Talk Anxiety." Uh, walk us through that one. Um, so I I wrote that because so I mean obviously like so many of us are feeling really anxious, especially if you're already sensitive. I mean this is this is beyond overwhelming. So. I started like thinking of different ways that I could control my own anxiety. And one of the things I started using was like a really high quality CBD oil. Um, I use moon mother. It's here in Boulder. Uh, I, I knew about the product. I knew the owner and it really helped me. And I, I had used, used CBD oil before in the past, but like this was like the right formula for me. So that has really carried me through well, all this. Let me and ask then, you, Valerie, explain what CBD oil is. Well, okay, so when people think of CBD oil, they also think of marijuana, and that's true. It's from the same plant, but there's no THC in it. Right. So you don't get high. You just feel calm, and it reduces inflammation in your body. It's, it's really good for you, actually. So um out here in Colorado, you know, I, I think it's been around probably here longer than other states, but they're super into it. And this this brand that I found, it, it kind of transformed my nervous system. So I would take some CBD oil in the morning and just feel, you know, pretty like groovy and calm, uh, but not not uh, tranquilized or anything, just like how you naturally should feel. And then I would take some before I went to bed at night, and that just became my new routine. And uh, you you use Moon Mother CBD oil? Yeah, it's Moon Mother CBD oil. They also have, like, facial products and, like, different types of balms, like muscle balms and stress balms. But um, the CBD oil really is, like, it's incredible. And I've tried a bunch of other brands. 
and I just stuck with it. Mm. All right, so that helps out. And uh, what what else uh, you you that you uh, do to alleviate some anxiety? All right, so like when this all started, I was like, be- I actually started becoming worried about my own health, like. Oh my God, what if I get sick? Like maybe I have some issues that I don't know about. So I just made a decision that I was going to work with a functional medicine doctor here in Colorado, which they're obvious, they're all over the country and got all my blood work done, had her go over everything with me. We made a couple adjustments, like, you know, I was low in certain vitamins and just took control of my health. So then I knew what I was dealing with and I wasn't sitting around you know, wondering, like, am I sick? Am I going to get sick? It just, it made me feel like I was in control and taking action for my health. And that was pretty empowering. And it also um, lessened my anxiety. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good, that's good advice. You also uh, drink organic chamomile tea in the evening. Yeah. So I totally stopped drinking caffeine during all of this because um, like I said, I was getting pretty anxious at sure. the beginning, yep. so I cut out caffeine completely. Like that was probably like the first thing I did. Uh, had a, like a gnarly headache for three days, but yep. then I was past it. And then I started drinking chamomile tea at night, but like all different types of tea, and like I just made it interesting. Yeah. So now I've tried like you know thirty different types of tea, and I don't miss coffee at all. I uh I I quit uh caffeine many 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 years ago but I quit caffeine and nicotine on the same day. So I was it, it, it was Whoa. it was not pl- I was not pleasant to be around. Let me just say that. But oh my I, god, how long did it take you to like feel normal after that? It took a while. It took a while. And I and you you know you mentioned the headaches. Oh boy. I mean cuz I consumed a lot of uh caffeine. Um and so yeah, no it's it, it's but it's I can't even it's been uh, 17 years now. Since, uh, since oh, I, so you're, I mean, you're over it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was rough for a while. I mean, when I first, you know, when I first uh, decided, I don't, I have no idea why I decided to quit both of those things in the same day. But it was. Uh, but like, was there something that made you say like, I'm not going to drink coffee anymore? Like, were you feeling uh, nervous or something? Yeah, and also, it's, it was, it's weird. I, but I connected. I was going through a really bad breakup at that time, mm-hmm. and, and I just decided I needed to make a change. And so I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm not going to do caffeine. I'm not going to do. I'm not going. I'm going to quit smoking too. And I only. I didn't. I was a casual smoker. I wasn't like three packs a day kind of thing. But yeah, so, that's pretty amazing that you just stopped like that. Yeah, it, I, I'll tell you something, Valerie. It wasn't easy. And like I said, I wasn't pleasant to be around. In addition to the fact that I was going through a really terrible breakup <laughs> as well. No, but that like that shows like the power of our minds, right? I also was like, I'm done. Like I'm not drinking caffeine anymore, and I just stopped in a day. But it's weird how you can make these decisions, and then it's like, boom, it's it's on. Yeah, it's on like Donkey Kong. You yeah, know, like yeah. you, you're there. Yeah, yeah. And it's been 17 years. I haven't looked back. I, you know, uh, uh, so there you go. Uh, so look, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, here's Chris on WGN. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, hey, how y'all doing? Hey, Nate. Hey. Hey. Uh, y'all talking about like depression and anxiety? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but I'll tell you something about, like, today's news, especially the local news. You know, uh, it is the least watched as of right now on TV because, number one, it's depressing the people, and two, it misleads, and uh, nobody don't watch news anymore except the weather and sports because they can't take all this pressure anymore. 
No, that's true. That's what, we, that's what we were just talking about, Chris. It's uh, you know, yeah. I've I've stopped watching. I've stopped watching the news. I'll keep up, you know, with what's happening, so I know exactly what's happening. But I can't, I yeah. can't, I can't deal with watching full newscasts. I just don't do it. Yeah, one more no thing, way. and you know, uh, the people tell you why you ain't watching the news, and they say, well, it's too depressing. It, it's going to nerve wreck your mind. Yeah, and that's why sometimes. Uh, Especially like what the news like back then is a lot different than look at the news nowadays. You got all these young, scantily clad, eye candy women that's telling the news and ain't doing uh, it's just they doing it for ratings and their looks. All right. All right, Chris. Thanks for the call. Thank you. All right. Uh, interesting uh, perspective there from Chris. It is. I, I was thinking about the movie Bombshell when he brought that up. Have yeah. you seen that? Yes, I have. Excellent. So, anyway, that's a little, that's an eye-opening film about the news and different stations. Yeah, and women in the news, you know. And women, yeah. Yeah, in the, in, the, uh, in the news field. So, uh, listen, Valerie, hang out, okay? Yep. All right. Uh, Valerie Yangus is with us. She is an author, a speaker, transcendental meditation expert. Uh, if you want to jump in here with a thought or a question or a comment, 312-981-7200. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more with Valerie. We'll talk about some of the anxiety that we're all going through. She also wrote a piece called How to Think for Yourself, and uh, we'll uh, talk about that, and we'll, we'll all get through this together. 312-981-7200 is the phone number, and more coming up right here on WGN. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio. Uh, we're here until 4 o'clock, uh, and at 2.30 we're going to play back, as we always do, uh, some classic clips from the Johnny Carson Show. You can watch the Johnny Carson Show every uh, night on Antenna TV. At 2.30 this morning we're going to play back from 1976, a visit from Jonathan Winters. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, great inventions that were made by mistake and uh, some crazy neighbor stories. 312-981-7200. That's our phone number if you would like to join us. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Valerie Gangus is with us. Uh, author, speaker, uh, speaker, transcendental meditation expert, and a big fan of Steely Dan. Hi, Valerie. Hi. Hi. Um, talk a little bit about um, this uh, piece that you wrote, How to Think for Yourself. So... Um, I've thought about this a lot. I think, you know, we're, our parents raise us, teachers, you know, priests, professors, all of that, and they kind of instill this way of living, you know, like if it's based on just like how your family always did it or your parents' expectations. And I think when we grow up, you know, like that doesn't always work for us. And it makes you confused because you're like, wait, I, I don't, that, that doesn't feel right to me, but, like, I think that's the way it's supposed to be. And I always say, like, it's not the way it's supposed to be. The way it's supposed to be is what's right for you, and it's what makes you an adult when you make your own decisions and you don't ask permission. You don't need validation. Like, now you're thinking for yourself. And it sounds simple, but it's really difficult for people because, you know, you're like you're brainwashed in a way to think a certain way. You've been programmed 
And to undo that takes a lot of effort and um, time and trial and error. But I'm a big fan of people, you know, taking their own decisions and like living an authentic life because that leads to happiness. And uh, what are some of your what are what are, what are some of the tips and some of the advice that you're given on how to think for yourself? I mean, I tell people I just I just wrote about this tonight. I'm going to post it this week. But I tell people like, don't tell anyone your plans. Like, don't tell people your ideas or ask for advice. Just start making decisions on your own and see how it pans out and play with it. You know, see how you feel when you don't discuss everything with other people. You just go in, make decisions, and act on those decisions. You start feeling empowered. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You talk about how, uh, you know, you, you're you're instilled a sort of lifestyle from your family and it's true i mean you know you know when you're when you're a kid when you're young everything that uh, your parents say or do is 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 gospel and you want to follow along and you you look at them and it takes a while to get to 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 get out on your own and some people never get out on their own i mean they're like trapped in that thought process and when you're not like living authentically and you're like living by somebody else's rules that causes a lot of confusion and anxiety. And then you're like all mixed up. It's just, it's not a clear path. And so the article that you wrote um, is available on your website. Tell us about your website, ValerieGangus.com. What, what will people find there and what can you see? Um, so I'm a life coach, so I work with different clients. And all that information is on my website and blogs that I've written, uh, articles that I've written, and interviews that I've done. It's it's all there and, and some YouTube videos. I had a podcast too. So all those, everything that I've basically written, said, or thought about is on that website. Okay. ValerieGangus.com. Tell me about being a life coach, Valerie. Um, so after I learned to meditate, uh, within a couple weeks, I started working with the David Lynch Foundation and we started working at Harpo Studios. Right. in Chicago and, and a couple other corporations. And when I was there, uh, basically they had me on hand to give talks and then work with people or just talk to people before and after they meditated. And I started noticing that I was really good at connecting with people and helping them. And so I just decided um, I wanted to start working with people one-on-one. And then I went and got a master's degree in uh, transpersonal psychology, which is like spiritual psychology, and at the same time uh, took a whole transformational life coaching program side-by-side uh, side with that program and um, just really loved the work. I love working one-on-one with people. I feel like they always make great progress, and it's, uh, it's really, I don't know, it's fun for me. I love it. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the David Lynch Foundation. Have you met David Lynch? I have. Um, I was at uh, one of his events in Los Angeles, and I got to meet him. And um, I might have told you this story before, but uh, I like David Lynch. I liked his films. I, I wasn't, like, obsessed with him or something. I was more, like, so proud of him for starting this foundation that I was now working with and loved so much. So I was excited to meet him because of that. 
And when he shook my hand, his hands were so soft. I mean, like, they were the softest hands I ever felt. (laughs) And I looked at him, sat in the eye, and I was like, oh, my God, you have never done one day of construction in your life. (laughs) That is what I said to David Lynch when I met him. (laughs) Not like, thank you for creating this awesome foundation. Like, that's what I said to him. I couldn't help it. It just, like, spilled out of my mouth. That's amazing. That's pretty amazing. Uh, uh, I think he thought it was pretty funny. David Lynch, uh, by the way, the reason why, you know, like he, he, he is, he's a, a big proponent of transcendental meditation. He practiced it uh, for years, correct? Yep. And he's the one that started the David Lynch Foundation. And really, I think it's been a game changer for the entire movement. And what exactly does the, does the, the, does the foundation do? Um, so they work in schools. They work with vets. Uh, they help people that can't afford to learn this. They give them scholarships. Um, lots of schools throughout the country. It's it's really been a game changer for young kids learning this. And, uh, again, lots of veterans. And then um, when we went into these different corporations, they worked with us. So they kind of have their dealers in different areas. But a lot of uh People that really need this, that's where they like to go Yeah, to help people that, you know, this will really, really impact their life. That's that's great that he does that. Maybe people don't even realize that, you know, that that, that he's he's got this foundation and he does that and he does uh, transcendental meditation. A lot of people just think he makes weird movies. <laughs> well, and he always talks about his uh, creativity being connected to meditating. He wrote a book called catching the big fish and it's all about meditation and creativity and i mean for me when i started meditating my creativity just like absolutely exploded i mean i became a different person in that area i had talents that i there must have been lying dormant because they just came out of me so i think he likes to talk about you know his experience with meditating and pairing that with his uh filmmaking and his creativity in general yeah uh, now, how often do you meditate, Valerie? So I meditate in the morning, 20 minutes, and then I meditate, you know, 5 or 6 o'clock at night for another 20 minutes. And is that, does that seem to be perfect for you? Yeah, and that's like, that's the standard. They When you learn, they say, they say, you know, meditate in the morning and meditate late in the afternoon. So I just have stuck with it. It's uh, It's just part of my routine now. Yeah. How many clients do you have, Valerie? Um, I'm working with about eight women right now. Okay. No men. No men. Okay. Not for not for any reason. It oh, just okay. seems so like women the... are more attracted to working with me. Yeah, and it's so you so you do it virtually, correct, Valerie? I do. Um, I give them the choice. Some people like to do it on video, and so you know we can see each other while we're talking, and other people like to just have phone calls. Okay. And is it, 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 does it, do you have a preference at all? Would you rather be able to see the person? No preference whatsoever. To me, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. And how many people have, uh, have, have had sort of a life-changing experience like you do, like you did uh, after, after this meditation? Have you heard back from people who have also had like a really big life change because of it? Yeah. So when I moved to Fairfield, Iowa, which is like the hub of, I mean, there's, I think 4,000 meditators living there. Wow. I met tons of people that had very similar experiences to mine. Um, I would say overall, it's not 
the norm to meditate once and go from being suicidal to like a whole different person. It does, it can happen. Yeah. But what I've seen overall, like the general wave to me seems like they learn to meditate and slowly over time, you know, everything in their life starts to change. Right. But it's a more, it's more subtle. Like right. for me, it was just like, damn, it hit me. Right. But I know that's not, that's not the norm. That's not the case for everybody. That's true. Uh, no. Well, you know, we're all different. It's true. Uh, Valerie, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's always fun to talk to you and, and always enlightening, and we appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on the show again, Nick. Okay, take care. Valerie Gangus. Uh, check out ValerieGangus.com. Um, and uh, if you want to check out the world of transcendental meditation, uh, we can all use a little, uh, a, a little relief uh, during this time. Um, and, uh, so, and, uh, she's really fascinating and her website is Valerie Gangas, G-A-N-G-A-S, ValerieGangas.com. All right. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We are going to talk about, um, uh, great inventions that were made by mistake next. And if you would like to uh, join us, it's, uh, 312-981-7200, 312-981-7200 right here on 720 WGN. And we'll do that after the news, which is happening now. It's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. It's a Thursday, right? Thursday morning? Uh, so I've been told. Okay. I talked to the, you know, the uh, date gremlin that we keep in the producer booth here, and he says it's Thursday. <laughs> He's kind of just over in the corner there, and I just uh, I poke him every once in a while. The and, date gremlin. Yeah, the date gremlin. Okay. It is July 23rd. It is July 23rd, yes. Yes, it is. Uh, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Uh, every morning, uh, every weekday morning at 2.30, we always play back some classic stuff from the Johnny Carson Show. And you can watch the Johnny Carson Show uh, every night on Antenna TV, and I highly recommend it because it's just so great. So we always play back some clips, like you know, some comedy clips, some sketches, that kind of thing. Well, uh, we're going to go back to 1976 for a visit with the certifiably nuts Jonathan Winters. <laughs> so... Um, so a guy, uh, sawed his neighbor's garage in half because of a property dispute. So we're going to talk about disputes with your neighbors or weird neighbors that you've had. I think we've all had weird neighbors. Oh yeah. I've had my share. Definitely. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, life changing inventions that were created by mistake. Sometimes a mistake pays off. Correct. Hey, I'm here. <laughs> Uh, so what, what about here? So let's start off with this scientists accidentally create a new type of fish. What, what, what? And this is from the takeout. Our friends over at the takeout. Uh, those of you who don't already subscribe to the scientific journal genes, that's G E N E S, not J E A N S. Yeah, that's a different magazine. That's a different magazine in general. I am subscribed to that one though. It's quarterly. God, you know, when I was in high school, 
It was during that um, insane designer gene phase in the eighties. You were you you weren't even a a, a twinkle. A twinkle. No. Um, we went through this weird phase where designer jeans, the tighter the better that girls would wear. So like real tight Calvin's, Cal- all kinds. Calvin, Sassoon, they were all Levi's. In- no, Levi's weren't designer jeans. Okay, you know Levi's are just jeans. What, Lee. Like those Lee jeans? No, that's those are just dungarees. Those are just dungarees. No, these were like designer jeans okay. that were tapered and tight, and the girls would wear them very tight, and they all had logos on the back, on their butt, on their pocket. Mm-hmm. And that's what everybody, all the girls wore when I was in high school. Nice. That and velour tops. Ugh. <laughs> it's eight, man. It was the eight. I went to high school between 79 and 83. I used to feather my hair. You did not. And carry a comb in my back pocket with the little handle. All right, Travolta. My God. 79 to 83, man. Dark days. Yeah. I would take the Spanish Inquisition over that. Yeah. No, parked down the middle, feathered. Oh, jeez. With the comb. Everybody had a comb sticking out of their back pocket. You know, not like a regular barber comb. Did you have the switchblade comb? No. Have you ever seen those? Yes badass but no these these were like plastic combs with a handle that would stick out of your back pocket everybody had them because we all wanted to constantly feather our hair (laughs) so uh yeah um so uh for those of you who don't already subscribe to the scientific journal genes you might want to sign up today so that you never miss another report on something on like the rise of the sturdlefish. Uh, a new hybrid created by entirely by accident when scientists tried to save a fish from extinction. The, the Russian sturgeon produces some of the world's most prized caviar, and it's currently critically endangered thanks to overfishing and the destruction of its habitat. Hungarian scientists recently uh, undertook a project intended to save the sturgeon from extinction by encouraging asexual reproduction within the species. Uh, Gynogenesis, according to CNN, used the treated sperm of another species to coax the specimen's egg to development. In this case, the sperm was from an American paddlefish, and everything went sideways. In the process of uh, gynogenesis, the DNA from the American paddlefish wasn't supposed to transfer to the Russian sturgeon's eggs, but somehow it did. One theory is that the two fish had genes that were more similar than the scientists had anticipated, allowing them to hybridize and produce a whole wonky offspring. And lo and, and behold, the sturtle fish was born. Each of the resulting fish look a little different, most of them bearing a stronger resemblance to the sturgeon. But if the offspring adopt the paddlefish's dietary habits instead of the sturgeons, then the hybrid fish could greatly benefit the environment. Sturgeon have a diet of larger crustaceans, while paddlefish feed on smaller organisms like plankton, making the latter's diet more sustainable in the long run. How about that? Good job, science. Wow. You get an A. <laughs> but it's like, oops. <laughs> We've discovered a new fish. 
So uh, there it is. The Sturtlefish. I like that. That's a nice name. Yeah. So by accident, a new uh, a new type of fish was discovered. And that brings us to some life-changing inventions that were created by mistake. And there's a lot of them here. And a lot of them are, these are big. These are like inventions that were amazing. And they were a mistake. Here's Mark on WGN. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, my family grew up in the same church as the Wilson Great Bitch family. And this was in Clarence, New York, near Buffalo. And he was thinking about how it might be possible. He was thinking in about the 1940s or 50s about how it might be possible to use the new invention called the transistor in a heart-regulating device because before this, people were having to come back to the hospital frequently to get their heart regulated or they were having to carry big vacuum tube units around with them. And uh, Wilson, Bill Greatbatch was a very Christian man, and he uh, always told this story about how God can work even in your mistakes. And one morning he was trying to put together a tip. We lost Mark. We lost him. He was going to talk about the invention of the pacemaker. So that's uh, what he was talking about. All right, let's break here. When we come back, life-changing inventions that were created by mistake. All right, here's a question for you. Have you ever made a mistake that paid off? 312-981-7200. Like, oops, but oh, it turned out great. Mistakes that paid off. If you've got a couple, we would love to hear from you. 312-981-7200, right here on 720 WGN. One of my very favorite Fleetwood Matt songs. I love that song, Gypsy. It's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Hi! It's a Thursday morning, and we're here till 4. After 4, we head over to Bradley Place, the TV side of WGN, and uh, get some news and information from that great group, and then the one and only Bob Surratt at 5 o'clock with your morning drive. Uh, Coming up at 2.30, a classic Carson clip with Jonathan Winters from 1976. And we are currently talking about life-changing inventions that were actually uh, created by mistake. And uh, we wanted to uh, also throw this out there. Did you ever make a mistake that paid off? 312-981-7200. All right, Mark, we got Mark back. Go ahead, Mark, finish your story. Yeah, I was talking about how Bill Greatbatch, whom I grew up with, accidentally invented the pacemaker. He was thinking about uh, this new invention called the transistor, and he thought, boy, if we could find a way to put this in a heart regulator, people could wear the regulator in their chest instead of having to lug a big vacuum tube unit around, and they wouldn't have to keep coming back to the hospital. And so one morning... He was working on some engineering project, and he needed an oscillator circuit that would vibrate a thousand times a second, and uh, he pulled the wrong resistor out of his toolbox. He misread the color band, and when he put it in the circuit and watched it on the screen, it blipped at the rate of a heartbeat, and his jaw dropped, because this was a transistor circuit, and he said, 
I think I've got it. I think I've got the heart regulator that I want. And he worked on it and refined it. And he always liked telling that story to people as an example of how God could work in your mistakes and you could come up with something even better than you thought you would. And that was how he invented the pacemaker. All right. Okay, Mark, thanks for the call. Uh, 312-981-7200 is the phone number. All right, how about this? We got some uh, life-changing inventions that were created by mistake. The slinky. Is that really a life-changing invention? Uh, yes. The slinky? Yes. Why? Well, because it made stairs fun. (laughs) Before that, they were simply utilitarian. Now, Uh they're a place to play. You can, you know, you can get a piece of cardboard and slide down the stairs. I stand corrected. Um, the inventor was Richard Jones, a naval engineer. He was trying to make a meter designed to monitor power on naval ships. Uh, here's how it was created. Jones was working with tension springs. When one of them fell to the ground, the spring kept bouncing from place to place to place after it hit the ground, and the slinky was born. Wow, a guy trying to make a meter designed to monitor power on naval sh- battleships. Is that crazy? That's where the slinky came from? Wow. That's an origin story for you. A slinky, you gotta get a slinky, 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 go, slinky, go! Is that Jim Carrey? Yeah, Ace Ventura. Is that from, that's not from the first one. It's from the second one. Yeah, okay. Because I know I know the first one by heart. <laughs> so when he's at the Buddhist temple and he's like, "There's one th- thing I have to do before I go." It's like a thousand steps, and it stops at the very last oh, one. Oh, okay. <laughs> the only thing that I remember from the second one, I mean, I thought the second one was okay. It's not as good as the. It's not as good as the first one. It's not as good as the first one. The first one is a classic. But there are moments in the second one. I mean, that for me. The one thing that I remember, besides him getting spears thrown into each leg, I remember that. It's the rhino scene. I mean, that rhino scene's insane. It is absolutely insane. Yeah, but I know the first one by heart. You know what my favorite moment in the first Ace Ventura is? What? Uh, it's the sliding door. <laughs> That's my favorite. That's my favorite moment in the entire time. And I love that movie. I think that movie's hilarious. But that sliding door thing destroys me every time. <laughs> Here's Rich on WGN. Go ahead, Rich. Hey, Nick. How are you? All right. Go ahead. Um, well, this is not as transistorized as the pacemaker, which is unbelievable. And the slinky's great. <laughs> I didn't know the slinky was created like that. Um I accidentally um, uh, bought a few cars and made a few bucks uh, here and there. But the Slinky is like, that's that's incredible. That's that's like, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. All right, Rich, thanks for the call. 312-981-7200. Here's Judy on WGN. Hi, Judy. Hi, Nick. I was telling Tom, a lady friend of mine, a good, and now she's, we're soul sisters, literally soul sisters. We started planning her wedding June 7th of this year. She got married July 11th of this year. 
and we had it in a very exclusive hotel here in Milwaukee, uh-huh. and it turned out fantastic. Uh-huh. And I was her, literally, I was her golden gopher, because anything they talked about, I ran for it. Uh, we did it immediately, and it turned out great. Well, that's good. But I thought to myself, at 70, do I want to do this again? I don't know. Yeah. All <laughs> right, Judy. recovery. Thanks, Judy. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. All right, how about this? Penicillin uh, was created by mistake. Sir Alexander Fleming, scientist, inventor, what he was trying to make, ironically, Fleming was searching for a wonder drug that could cure diseases. However, it wasn't until Fleming threw away his experiments that he found what he was looking for. Fleming noticed that a contaminated Petri dish he had discarded contained a mold that was dissolving all the bacteria around it. When he grew the mold by itself, he learned that it contained a powerful antibiotic, and that's penicillin. Wasn't this this, uh, penicillin credited to somebody other than this, than Sir Alexander Fleming? Why why am I thinking that they've credited uh, the discovery of penicillin to somebody else? I don't know why I'm thinking that, but... Yeah, no, as far as I know, it's credited to Scottish scientist Alexander Fleming. Sir Alexander Fleming, okay. By the way, you're welcome, everyone. How about uh, chocolate chip cookies? That was an accident? Again, life-changing? Tell me that chocolate chip cookies are not life-changing. I don't know. Ruth Wakefield is the owner of the Toll House Inn. Oh, well, that explains. What she was trying to make, just regular chocolate cookies. How it was created while mixing a batch of cookies, Wakefield discovered that she was out of baker's chocolate. Um, as a substitute, she broke sweetened chocolate into small pieces and added them to the cookie dough. She expected the chocolate to melt, making chocolate cookies, but the little bits just stuck. Thus, the chocolate chip cookie invented. So uh, we're talking about some inventions, uh, life-changing inventions that were actually created by mistake. Potato chips. Potato chips? Yeah. Have you not seen that sketch on uh, SNL? Yeah. I don't eat my potato chips. <laughs> That's one of the funniest sketches uh, ever. And I love that Blake Lively is in it. For some reason, I just, I love that. And she's so committed. I mean, that was obviously, obviously Will Forte wrote that sketch because it's insane. It's him and Jason Sudeikis and Blake Lively. And uh, it's all about a potato chip. And it takes place at NASA. <laughs> it is such a great sketch. Uh, so the potato chip was invented by George Crum, a chef at the Carry Moon Lake House in Saratoga Springs. He was trying to make a plate of fried potato. One day, a customer sent back his plate of potatoes many times, kept asking them to be more fried and thinner. Crum lost his temper, sliced the potatoes insanely thin, and then fried them until they were as hard as a rock. To the chef's surprise, the customer loved them and wanted more. George Crum, the inventor of the potato chip, he, he was just, it got invented because he was mad. <laughs> oh, man.
I enjoy a good potato chip. Yeah, potato chips are good, man. Yeah. I like Doritos more, though. I, I can't tell you the last time I ate Doritos. Yeah, nice corn chip. Yeah. I'm a Pringles guy. Oh. I like Pringles. Although they're clearly manufactured and not natural. They, no, they, they don't grow that way? No. No? They don't stay. Regular, regular potato chips don't stack like that. No, that's weird. I love Pringles, though. I would love them more if my hand didn't get stuck in the <laughs> tube so much. <laughs> Jeez. I'm serious. It's a, it's a bit of a problem, but I do love Pringles. They taste, I don't know how they do it, but nothing tastes like a Pringle. Like, other potato chips kind of taste similar. Yeah. Nothing tastes like a Pringle. No, that's true. Even the flavored Pringles. Ex- bingo. Tastes like, uh, just l- like a Pringle. Do you have a favorite flavor of chip? Uh, I like uh, uh, sour cream and onion a lot. That's a good one. Yeah. You? Salt and vinegar. Yeah. Salt and vinegar is not, like, if, if, if a sour cream, you know, if I've had too much sour cream and onion, which is good, really good flavor, top flavor, but salt and vinegar. But you can't, you can't eat those that's that That's much. that UK side of you. Yeah. But they, they're terrible. They have, like, ketchup-flavored crisps. Oh, yeah. No, I've seen, I've you know. Curry-flavored, prawn-flavored, shrimp-flavored. I've, I've had the prawn-flavored. I've what, had the- What'd you take? What was your take? Not, not 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 good. Great. No, this is when I was working at Gingers because we used to. Oh have, yeah, because you guys would have had the crisp. We had the crisp yeah. behind the counter, yeah, Jeez. behind the bar. Yeah, so I've tried a, many of them. <laughs> so, all right, we got more inventions that were created by mistake. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. We'll continue that, but we'll take a break when we come back. Uh, we got the Carson Comedy Classic, a visit from the insane Jonathan Winters from nineteen seventy six. That's coming up. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, and uh, we are live in the Skyline studio here till 4 o'clock, as we are every weekday night into morning, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. Coming up, we're going to talk about a a, a guy who sawed his neighbor's garage in half because of a property dispute, which is going to get us into uh, uh, stories about weird neighbors that you've had or disputes with your neighbors or crazy neighbors. Uh, 312-981-7200. And uh, we're going to get back to uh, life-changing inventions that were created by mistake. And uh, the phone lines are open here. If you ever made a mistake and it paid off, or you got a story about that, 312-981-7200. We always take a break from the show here for some laughs every uh, around this time, about 2.30 every every weekday morning. And uh, we always go to the Carson Comedy Classics. You can watch Johnny Carson's show on uh, uh, Antenna TV, which you should every night. It's awesome. So we go back and we play some comedy bits or sketches or some stand-up and stuff like that. We're going to go back to 1976 right now for a visit from the certifiably nuts Jonathan Winters.
I say have changed the carpeting. Yes. Yeah, yeah fresh. I think, haven't they? Isn't we, it fresh? No, we fresh, freshened up the set. These are bit. patches from everywhere. Yes. <laughs> we did this in therapy. These are... <laughs> well, these are from the different shows that were canceled, and when they take the carpet, they just cut it off and bring it here, and That's we use great. it. You oh, never or... went inside, did you, Colonel? No, I did not. <laughs> Officers somehow or another, you know, uh, just remain in the jeep. Um, <laughs> but I was taken quickly. Yes, he's. But I'm okay now because I'm under heavy sedation. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Oh yes. How are you, wild man? Well, I'm fine. I uh, picked up a little uh, green. Uh, went to uh, Chicago. Exciting, you know, Chicago. Oh yes. <laughs> Two or three people are out here to bum off their relatives. And, uh, <laughs> Come on, still here from Christmas. I've got, a, I've got a few, I don't know, that sneak in there once in a while. But, no, I went in to do a job. As a matter of fact, talking about carpeting, it was for some carpeting unit. Uh, there, I've spent the money now, so there's no sense in giving them full credit. <laughs> but it, uh, it was fun. I saw an old friend of mine, Jack McGuire. He and I used to have some... Fun times, and uh, have a little gasoline, you know, and <laughs> drink some shaving lotion and stuff. So, uh, we talked about old times. Yeah. We were, your name came up the other night. We were in, with some people, and uh, who hmm. were admirers of yours, and I was telling them about the days, oh, 15, 20 years ago, when we would do strange things together. Oh, yeah, hide in the bushes. and Remember uh, some of those? Sure, sure. I remember most of them. <laughs> and uh, there are a lot of them I don't, of course. I remember... <laughs> I remember, uh, I remember one time, uh, uh, some highway, a major highway. Uh, <laughs> had concrete yes, on it and everything. Had yes. concrete and everything. And I was sitting like this in the snow. <laughs> and uh, uh, state highway patrolman came up and he said, uh, uh, can I help you? <laughs> and I said, yes, you can. Uh, I've been meditating over whether this vodka's gone or... <laughs> still there. So he, um, he took me in for a little observation. I was frozen harder than a cart. <laughs> yeah, I remember I, all that night, uh, the officer and I, he was very nice to me. We sat in his car <laughs> because uh, he didn't have a very good battery. And uh, so he was, a you know, kept... <clears throat> And I made fun of that, you know. Because, you, ever, uh, you ever miss those days? Those you know, kind well, of uh, silly, nutty... No, I, I don't because I... Um, I tell you, I, I like it better the way I am now. Right. Because uh, when I see something in the zoo, I recognize it and... Uh, <laughs> you say that's a bear. Right. Yeah. There's a lion. And, uh, <laughs> so it's... Uh, it's nice to know yeah, the animals. Right. Nice to know the animals. <laughs> so I, you know, uh, I, <laughs> but there were there were times when uh, you know, and I swear I had some oh, fun, you know. Oh yes, sure. I and I, and I have uh, all that stuff in my house, you know, my, for my friends, I have right. people like yourself yeah. that come over that uh, they've hurt their leg or right. something, <laughs> and uh, one little touch. But myself, I just have a little hot cocoa, you know, yeah. uh, about four o'clock before I retire. That's, 
it's, uh, it's better for you. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you now. You I know. know. I know. Uh, I, uh, I eat a lot of vegetables. Uh, doesn't show, but uh, uh, big on uh, lettuce. lettuce. Oh yeah. I have a thing about rabbits. I love them, and uh, uh, I, they're active creatures, you know. And if, that, if that's what they eat, that's what I eat. <laughs> yeah. Jonathan Winters, man. He was nuts. He was, he was like, nuts. Even Johnny calls him wild man. Yeah, well, he was nuts. He was. We played that clip of him and Robin Williams on the same... We have. We're <laughs> on the same couch. That's just... <laughs> Jonathan Winters comes in in a union, yeah, a union wearing... uniform. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy! Yeah, no. He was, if two people were ever made for each other, it was Robin Williams and Jonathan Winters. Well, yeah, I mean, Jonathan Winters was his hero, you know, was his comedy hero. Um, you've seen it's a mad, 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 mad world. Oh yeah, many times. My my favorite scene in that movie is where Jonathan Winters tears up that gas station, just demolishes the gas station. That's my favorite. That's my favorite scene in the movie. Always great to hear the old Johnny clips. You can watch the Johnny Carson show on Antenna TV every night. I suggest you do. It's great. And then we always play highlights uh, around 2.30 every weekday morning from the show. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We've been talking about inventions that were created by mistake. And uh, have you ever made a mistake and it paid off? 312-981-7200. Here's Jim on WGN. Go ahead, Jim. Hang there. During World War One, a soap manufacturer made stuff for the army, bars of soap, and the guy on the job fell asleep, and the mixer just kept mixing and mixing and mixing all night long. And when he woke up, he said, "Oh my God!" Well, they didn't want to throw it away. They had to make new soap for the army, but the stuff that was there, they made bars of soap out of it, and it had air in it. It was they invented ivory soap. It ah. Ah, the ivory soap. <laughs> yeah, because the ivory soap is floats. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. It, 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 it ran so long, the air got pumped into it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about All right. that? All right. Thanks, Jim. You bet. Bye. All right. How about this? Silly putty. Silly putty. James Wright is the inventor, an engineer at General Electric. Um, During World War II, the United States government needed rubber airplane tires boots for soldiers, etc. Wright was trying to make a rubber substitute out of silicon uh, since it was a widely available material. Um, During the test on silicon oil, Wright used boric acid to to, to the substance, added boric acid to the substance. The result was a gooey mess that bounced. Although no one uh, could find a real use for it, it became a fun toy. You ever play with silly putty when you were a kid? All the time. Yeah. Best part was when you would take it to the uh, the funny pages. Right. You could lift the black and white comics. Yep. You can do color comics too. Really? I think so. Oh, I I just always did them on the black and white ones. I felt like they showed up better in the silly putty. Uh, here's Squat on WGN. Go ahead, Squat. Oh, hi, Nick. How you doing? Um, did you remember that commercial about the Hershey's Reese's peanut butter cups? Sure. <laughs> That's how that was made. One guy was walking towards another guy. One guy had Hershey's chocolate bar, and the other guy had peanut butter. And 
they stumble into each other. Right. And Remember he says, that? <laughs> you got chocolate in my peanut butter, and you got peanut butter in my chocolate. Yeah, that was crazy. Yep, that's it. All right, squat. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. All right. Yeah, man. How about this? Microwave ovens. Percy Spencer is the uh, inventor, an engineer at the Raytheon Corporation. The engineer was conducting a radar-related research project with a new vacuum tube. Spencer realized that the candy bar in his pocket began melting during his experiments. He then put popcorn into the micro uh, into the machine, and it started to pop. He knew he had a revolutionary device on his hands. Look at that. It, it, and, of course, it's popcorn, right? Of, of course do you, you, you realize that, that you've made a microwave oven because of the popcorn. <laughs> that's got to be the number one item that's used in a microwave, right? And popcorn? It's got to be, right? Probably. That and Hot Pockets. Yeah. Or uh, leftovers. Coffee that's been sitting out a little too long, but you don't want to pour down the drain. Well, that's what my, my parents do that. Oh, they, yeah. They make a pot of coffee, and they leave it out, and then when they pour a cup, pour it into a cup, they put it in the microwave. Yeah, I definitely do that. Um, how about saccharin, the artificial sweetener? It was invented by Constantine Fallberg, a researcher at John, Johns Hops, uh, Hopkins Hos, uh, University. Fallberg was investigating the oxidation of the blah, blah, mide, whatever that means. Fallberg's discovery happened because he forgot to wash his hands. He had spilled a chemical on his hands in uh, the lab that caused his bread to taste very sweet. The researcher immediately requested a patent uh, and mass-produced the product, saccharin. All right. Hey, more uh, inventions that were created by mistake. 312-981-720. If you ever made a mistake that actually paid off for you, uh, we would love to hear from you. There it is. Okay, let's take a, a little break here for some weather. And then we'll come back, talk a little bit more about inventions that were uh, created by mistake. And then uh, we're going to talk about a guy who sawed his neighbor's garage in half after a property dispute. So we're going to talk to you about if you've ever had any weird neighbors or crazy neighbors. 312-981-7200. Somewhere beyond the sea, somewhere waiting for me, my lover stands on golden sand. Yeah! Swinging, baby. <laughs> How's it going? It's Nick DeGilio here. Skyline Studio live on WGN till 4 o'clock. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. If you ever made a mistake and it paid off, because we're talking about inventions that were life-changing that were created by mistake. Also coming up, we got a story about a guy who, uh, who sawed his neighbor's uh, garage in half because of a property dispute so we want to hear your stories of uh, crazy neighbors that you've had in the past or weirdo neighbors uh and the news is next from the northwestern medicine newsroom so 
312-981-7200 if you want to join us. Here are some more uh, inventions that were uh, created by mistake. Fireworks. The inventor was an unknown cook in China. According to the leg- according to legend, the cook was simply experimenting in the kitchen. Cook accidentally mixed together charcoal, sulfur, and salt pepper. Saltpeter, uh, common kitchen items from about uh, two thousand years ago, when the mixture was compressed in a bamboo tube. Uh, and why the cook did that, we have no idea. It exploded. And thus, fireworks were, 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 were born. And Indiana and Wisconsin were very happy. <laughs> Scotchgard. Patsy Sherman, a chemist for 3M, invented it. Sherman was assigned to work on a project to develop a rubber material that would not deteriorate from exposure to jet aircraft fuels. She accidentally dropped the mixture she was experimenting with on her shoe. While the rest of her shoe became dirty and stained, the one spot remained bright and clean. She retraced her steps and identified the stain-resistant compound known today as Scotchgard. That's a, that's a good invention, Scotchgard. I'd say so. Yeah. Um, Cornflakes. You ever see the movie Road to Wellville? I've not. Oh man. It doesn't involve the inventor of cornflakes. Yeah, oh yeah. And his weird thing against uh touching yourself. It's um it's uh, Anthony Hopkins plays uh the the uh the main the main guy who invented uh, Kellogg. He plays Kellogg. Um John Cusack's in it. Bridget Fonda directed by Alan Parker. It's a really terrific movie, Road to Wellville. So I get to hear Hannibal Lecter tell me. Uh, well, he, he's also got like ridiculous buck teeth and a crazy mustache. <laughs> it's really, it's really one of his craziest performances. It really is. <laughs> I love that movie. I think it's great. That sounds like fun. Um, the inventor of cornflakes, the Kellogg brothers, John and Will. What they were trying to do was a pot of boiled grain. That's what they were trying to make. The brothers accidentally left a pot of boiled grain on the stove for several days. How do you do that? Oh, you t- it was off. They just left it on the stove. Uh, the mixture turned moldy, but the product that emerged was dry and thick. Through experimentation, they uh, eliminated the mold part and created cornflakes that you eat now. I love cornflakes. Do you just regular cornflakes? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe sometimes I'll put a little sugar in there. Yeah. You know, just a, just a hint. But I love, I love that. I love Raisin Bran. Raisin Bran. Yeah, big fan of Raisin Bran. Two scoops. <laughs> Two scoops of raisin. Two scoops of raisin. But it's coated in sugar, though, those raisins. They're coated yeah. in sugar. They try to make it look like it's healthy because there's raisins in it. Well, I will say it keeps you very regular. <laughs> okay. Well, it's bran. Exactly. So, yeah. So, you know, 3.07 p.m. every day. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, how about LSD as a drug? Nice. The inventor is uh, Albert Hoffman. He was a chemist. He was researching uh, acid derivatives in a library in a library in uh, Basel, Switzerland. Hoffman unintentionally swallowed 
a small amount of LSD while researching its properties and had the first acid trip in in history. <laughs> and thus the Grateful Dead were born. Oh man. That's got that must have been freaky though, right? Well, yeah. You're the first guy to go on an acid trip. I'd be in total panic. Uh, how about inkjet printers? The inventor was a Canon engineer. Um, after resting his hot iron on his pen by accident, ink was ejected from the pen's point a few moments later, and this principle led to the creation of the inkjet printer. Why would you put your iron on a pen? Well, it was a mistake. Accident. Post-it notes. That was Romy and Michelle. <laughs> I don't need to read the history of that. Romy and Michelle invented post-it notes. The inventor is uh, Spencer Silver, a researcher in 3M Laboratories. He was trying to just make a strong adhesive. While working away, Silver created an adhesive that was actually weaker than what had already existed. It stuck to objects but could be pulled off easily without leaving a mark. Years later, a colleague spread the substance onto little pieces of paper to mark his place in his choir hymn hymn book, and the idea was born. That's not what I heard. I heard it was Romy and Michelle. (laughs) Can I ask you a serious question? Uh huh. Was that movie a hit when it came out? Yeah. Okay. I, I obviously I wasn't there for that. You know. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like a monster hit, but it did it did well. Uh, yeah, it wasn't Jaws. No. But, you know. No. I mean, it did it, it did well. It made it made it made a solid amount of money. So, and you got to understand when that movie came out, it was at the height of Friends popularity. Right. So Lisa Kudrow was a draw, and Mira Servino was still, you know, working at that time. Um, it also helps that the movie was really good. I just, I really love that movie. I find it so funny and I think they're both great in it. Um, X-rays. Wilhelm Rowentgen, an eccentric physicist invented it. He was interested in investigating the properties of cathode, cathodic ray tubes. Um, when shining a light through the tubes, he noticed fluorescent papers in his lab were illuminated, even though his machine had an opaque cover. Wow. So there there you go. Inventions that were uh, made by mistake. All right. Uh, 312-981-7200. Here's Big Ed. Go ahead, Ed. Yeah, Nick. Pretzels invented by a Catholic monk. When they used to make pretzels, they were always soft. And he left them in the oven too long where they hardened up. Yeah. And your modern day pretzel was born. Wow. It was a monk? Yep. Cooking pretzels. Wow. All right. That's that's fascinating. Okay, buddy. Take care. Big Ed. I wonder if they canonized him. Yeah, that's a, that's, you know, you got to enjoy pretzels. Patron saint of pretzels. Although I like soft pretzels. Yeah, I think there's a time and place for both. Mm hmm. But I will say, soft pretzel with, like, mustard. Yeah. Oh, it's good. Or soft pretzel with cheese. Cheese is good. Yeah. I think the cheese is good. But if I can get a nice, you know, 
a, a nice mustard, maybe from the National Mustard Museum, something real, you know, fancy. Speaking or of which, aren't, aren't we going to have Barry Levinson from the oh, Mustard Museum on? Absolutely, we'll be having him next week because we have to talk about the uh, the mustard fe- the uh, mustard festival. National Mustard Day, yeah. National Mustard Day, It'll be on Saturday the first. It's always the first weekend in August, and um, because I always remember it coincides with Flashback Weekend. It's always the first weekend in August. And uh, but there's no flashback weekend. Obviously, this year has been canceled, as so many activities have. But and I'm I'm really disappointed, obviously, because flashback weekend always the highlight of my summer. So it's like the funnest three and a half days that that I have, you know, all year. I'm not going to be able to see Sven. That's I always got to see Sven Gulli. Because he would show, he would he would come every Saturday, and then he would do the costume show. He would host the costume show, which the costume contest, which by the way, highlight of the flashback weekend every year, and the way Rich handles the the, the goofballs that get up on stage. So, okay, uh, we're going to talk about a guy who sawed his uh, neighbor's garage in half in a, in a in a property dispute, and then we're going to get into the world of wacky and weird neighbors. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Let's get to the news. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, where we're live in the uh, Skyline studio here on uh, WGN, and we're here until uh, 4 o'clock. 312-981-7200 is a phone number if you want to join us. We're going to be talking about uh, crazy neighbors. Have you ever have a, a wacky or a crazy or a goofy neighbor? Um, because of this story out of Maine, uh, a man who cut his neighbor's garage in half with a sawzall, a sawzall. What is that? A sawzall. S a w z a l l. Can you Google that? I mean, it's got to be pretty powerful if you can saw a garage yeah, in half. So, uh, you've you've definitely seen one of these before. You've definitely seen one where. You hold it with both hands, and it's kind of a single blade. And I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, it kind of punctures forward. Okay. Yeah. So it's just think of it as like a handheld saw of sorts. All right. Um, a man who cut his neighbor's garage in half with a sawzall was on friendly terms with the man who built the structure. Just not everyone who lived on the property after he died. Gabriel Braun used a a land surveyor's demarcation between the two lots as a guide to remove the half of the building sitting on his land when the dispute over the boundary line boiled over. Tracy Braun said uh, Thursday that her husband's actions on the day after Memorial Day marked the latest, and they hoped the final step of an often contentious relationship between her family and others in the neighborhood and various inhabitants of 148 Grove Street in recent years. 
Braun and her family moved back to Dover Foxcroft in 2012 to live in the home where her husband had grown up at 140 Grove Street, a property that once included um, 0.23 acres just to the south that is now 148 Grove Street, where a small home was added several decades ago. The Braun's relationship with their neighbors was fine until the former owner of 148 Grove Street, Steve Ritter, died in late 2016, Tracy Braun said. Ritter's wife, Teresa Laith Ritter, took over sole ownership of 148 Grove Street. And while she became an infrequent resident, Braun said relations had been strained with others who had rented or otherwise frequented the building since. Uh, When the dad, Steve Ritter, was alive, this was a perfect place to live. As soon as that poor man passed away, the place turned into craziness and chaos. The Braun's unsuccessfully tried to purchase 148 Grove Street in one attempt to resolve their issues. A fence and trees planted around it were the catalyst that allegedly drove uh, an organic gardener to use his super soaker to stealthily spray Roundup on her neighbor's property in the middle of the night. The property line dispute gained momentum in April when the Bronze put down a load of wood chips near the previously established boundary with the 148 Grove Street in order to tractor, uh, to, in order for a tractor to travel the downhill grade and to back up their lot. Uh, Steve Ritter's youngest son, Blake, soon planted a stake in the ground where the chips had been placed. He said, this is our property. Get your stuff off of it. So we uh, had to call a land surveyor. The surveyor determined that the dividing line between the properties was in the center of 148 Grove Street's driveway, right through the middle of the garage. The day the surveyor came and set the pins, the tenants uh, that were uh, there packed up and moved out that night. Uh, and then uh, Bruce Owalot, 45, was found guilty of plowing over a portion of gravel road in dispute with Frenchville's town officials. Another surveyor came up with similar results. Um, and he ended up uh, sawing the, the garage in half. <laughs> you, ever have an, you ever have a crazy neighbor, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> my, I guess, I, I call, I'll call them a neighbor. They were my dorm neighbors when I, was in, when I was in college. My first year of college, first time living alone. It was me and a roommate, uh, a guy that I actually went to high school with. We were both going to Loyola, so I was like, hey, let's room together. Yeah. But the guy that lived next to us, um, it was him and one other guy, but the other guy was almost re- he was almost never there. So this dude's girlfriend would come over all the time, mm-hmm. and they were psychopaths, yelling, screaming, breaking stuff, and then, of course... After they had the fight, they would have makeup whoopee, and, and that was equally violent and, and loud and loud and like terrifying. We thought about calling like the cops or something a couple of times, but uh, <laughs> there was one time she had left, and I went over and knocked on his door. And the guy's name was Pat. I was like, "Hey, hey, Pat, he's just sitting there, you know, and and." basketball shorts no shirt on i was like hey pat can i level with you buddy he's like, yeah man anything what's what's up tell me what's on your mind it's like is there any way that you guys can just i don't know tone it down a little bit or like give us a warning because it sounds like you know there's a fight going on in here but mm-hmm. i it's definitely not that he's like yeah man i'm really sorry about that bro um i, I can't do that i I'm, I'm not gonna be able to pump the brakes on that one 
I was like, why not? He says, I don't know, man. It's just, this is, this is how it works. This is the way it's got to be. Listen, man, can I get you a burrito? And he hands me a burrito from his from his microwave that he had just made. He's like, "Yeah, man, I'm I'm not going to be able to tone it down, but I'm really sorry. You know, please, anytime you want a microwave burrito, I got I got like a hundred of them." <laughs> and he shows me he's got like these big boxes of like freeze dried burritos that he just made. So anytime I wanted a burrito, I just knocked just on knock the on the door. Yeah, here here's a burrito. Yeah, that was my consolation prize for having right. a neighbor to had very uh, aggressive relations. Yeah. Well, at least you got burritos out of the deal. Uh, We're talking about, if you ever had any crazy neighbors, you got any crazy neighbor stories, 312-981-7200. Here's Robert on WGN. Go ahead, Robert. Uh, Good morning, Nick. Um, I have not had good luck with my last three houses. Right now, I live on two and a half acres for a reason. My last neighbor was a hunter, so he would hang up the deer, skin them, and all the blood would run into my driveway. Oh. Now... The neighbor before that, I bought a home in Brookfield, and the ladies who live next door to me owned one inch of my driveway. So after I moved in, two days later, there was three cars in my driveway. And I went next door, I go, ladies, you're on my driveway. Well, we own one inch, therefore we're allowed to park here. That took me a whole year, and I had to cut. I had to rent a saw and cut one inch of the driveway off. Which cost me over ten grand oh. to do to to because the surveyors have to come out, yeah, yeah, and then the surveyors have to do everything, and then it has to go to the courts, and you it's it's a huge process. It's nuts. If you ever buy a home, make sure you do your plot survey very carefully. Yeah, and then my first home that I had, my next door neighbor had about one hundred twenty five cats. Oh man. And this is truth. I own a duplex, and it was in Riverside. And that took me about three years before the Humane Society finally came out. And again, she was a nice drunk. She'd get drunk every day, sit in the backyard naked, and the cats would jump in and out. And, and again, I didn't know at the time it was a beautiful duplex, and I got it for a very, very cheap price. Yeah. Then I found out why. Because about a day later, we're smelling, and we're like, what is this stench? And it's and here's these cats jumping in and out. And So trust me, do your homework if you're going to buy a home. Go and knock in your neighbor's doors. Make sure you meet them before you buy that house. Yeah. That's yeah. just a few horror stories from the there you go. tales of Robert. All right, take All right, care, Take Nate. care, man. 312-981-7200. Do you ever have any... Uh, Wacky neighbors or weird neighbor stories, 312-981-7200. Right. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are uh, live in uh, the uh, Skyline studio here uh, on 720 WGN, here till 4 o'clock. And uh, we're just talking about this news story about a guy in Maine who sawed his neighbor's garage in half over a property dispute. Um, So uh, that brings to mind if you've ever had any crazy neighbors. So... um, 
uh, when I lived in Andersonville, I lived in an apartment in Andersonville for like 13 years. And when we first moved in, it was with my my first uh, my first uh, ex wife. We moved in, and uh, the the people in the in the in the apartment right next to us, we lived on the second floor, and our doors were right next to each other. So it was like they were they were, they were right you know we, our our walls we could hear what was going on, and it was this uh, total white trash couple. Um, he the total white trash couple. He had a uh, a car. He had a, a really crappy car parked in front of the building that had a giant antenna on it, and he would spend hours in the car on the CB. And it would actually interfere with our television. And so he'd be out there for hours and he'd be getting drunk. Then he'd come in and they would fight loud. Um, and they were told, like I said, total white trash. You know, the guy sitting in his junkie car with the giant antenna, you know. Um, so we would hear their arguments. They would scream at each other, you know, and right next to the, you know, right through the wall, we could hear it. So we were standing by the, by the wall listening one, one night, and this is a sentence that came out of the woman's mouth. And I don't know what the context is. And like I said, the, this is about as white trash a couple as you can possibly get screaming at each other. And she says, we, don't hear, we didn't hear what prompted this, but she says, resume, I don't need no damn resume. And I was like, what, how does the subject of a resume come up with these two people? Well, how did that, I'm just, you know, we and we were laughing our butts off, me, me and my ex. Like, how does it, how, what was the setup to that response? Resume? I don't need no damn resume. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure that those two people never had a resume in their entire life. But yeah, that was one of my favorites. That was one. And they were, they were just, you know, they, 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 they were out about six months after we moved in. Then we had a crazy woman. I had a crazy woman above me, same, same building who anytime I turned on the TV, she would pound on the, on the floor and she would come downstairs and say, it's way too loud. And I'm like, I'm just watching TV. I had four people over the apartment we were talking she knocked on my door again and said you're you're way too loud and i'm like what the, what what, the, what are you talking about I mean, we weren't even having a party we were just it was like four people in my living room when we were talking oh, it's way too loud she ended up moving out like six months later good riddance yeah i don't know i'm starting to see a common denominator nick maybe you're the wacky neighbor i don't know apartment building where i live now the people across the hall from me had like nine kids and they would let them run out in the hallway and they would be banging on my door and running up and down the stairs. I live on the second floor. Constantly. They're gone though. Very quiet couple lives there now. So, all right. Crazy neighbor stories. 312-981-7200. Here's Dave on WGN. Go ahead, Dave. Hey, Nick. Um, about 12 years ago, I had a neighbor from hell, and it was in a building where all the apartments are studio apartments. So it's not like you could move to a different room to avoid the problem. And there was no soundproofing in the walls and the floors. And this guy, I couldn't convince 
the management that he was such a problem because during the day he was such a seemingly uh, harmless and meek, quiet-looking guy. But at night he would turn into the Hulk because he had a problem with drugs, a serious problem, and he had a personality disorder. He was crazy. He would invite friends over, and they'd break things, and they'd smash things, and they'd holler. But in morning time, he he was complete. He couldn't remember what happened. Yeah. And I I used to have to call the police on this guy, but you know, to 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 my advantage, he has a re- he had a record, and you know, he had a, he had a rap sheet because you know he, you know, in the last time, I mean, I must have called the police about five or six times. The, the final time, it was the sergeant that came and took him away. And he would swear at the police and swear at me, and he was just completely different person. Yeah, well, I mean, dr- it, drugs it, will it, drugs will do that to you, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I've I've learned like when you when you look for an apartment, you, you got to get the top floor, and you got to make sure the people next door are just you know not going to be a problem. Yeah, you know. Yeah. All right, Dave. Thanks. Sure. Take sure. Care. I've lived in. Um, my current apartment now since so it'd be nine years it just it it just just passed nine years and I've gone through a few neighbors um I had neighbors because I'm on the second floor but there is a third floor apartment and I did have uh some neighbors that uh, apparently were using their their uh, the, the apartment upstairs as a bowling alley Um, I had to go up there one time and go, look, you guys, you got to stop bouncing around on the floors. So, but now I, I'm pretty sure that I have just like sort of just quiet neighbors and and stuff like that. I can understand if I might be becoming a, a little bit of a annoying neighbor to some people, but you know what? I want to enjoy my property. All right. Uh, let's see. Here's a uh, trucker, Rich. Rich, go ahead. Hey, Nick, I've had a couple of weird neighbors. Uh, I thought of a second one after listening to you and your neighbors. But uh, the first one was we were sitting in our yard with my in-laws and my brother and sister. We were having a cookout. We had our dog out on a leash, and a neighbor drove up in the yard, tried to run over the dog. What? And scattered all of us. Yeah. He said the dog was trying to bite the tires on his car. <laughs> and, and then the next-door neighbor, right directly... On the out on, on on my bedroom side of my house, we all had motor. You know, there's about ten of us in the neighborhood got motorcycles. Well, he thought it'd be cool. You know, motorcycles aren't always quiet, but he thought it'd be cool to put straight pipes on it. You know, and sit in his garage and just rev it up, rattle the windows in my house, and all the neighbors got, you know, mad at him. Called the cops. My bike was sitting out in the driveway. Cop came up and says, "Was that you and the noisy bike?" I said, "No, sir." And he watched, walked over and started to touch the engine. Well, my engine was cold. He walked over to the neighbor's house. It was warm and gave him a ticket. So after that, he decided it'd be cool to take the mufflers off his pacer and run up and down the street with no mufflers on his pacer. <laughs> How long did this person th- live near you? Uh, for about six months. Yeah. So he finally moved out, and now we got quiet neighbors who have two little kids. So, well, all right, it, it's 
but yeah, especially the pacer without a muffler. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine that. Yeah, I can imagine yeah. that. Yeah, it's funny we were talking yeah. about we were talking about uh, pacer. We were talking about pacers the other the other day on the show the other morning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. I don't know, I, yeah, yeah. Well, they're still out there. Yeah, <laughs> very, very weird looking cars. Yep. All right. All thanks, right. Rich. Have a good evening. All right. Take care. How 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 is it possible that we have talked about you know the AMC Pacer now like three times this week? We gotta have a running count for certain things. So we've talked about the AMC Pacer three times. Yeah, uh, we've talked about moose cheese twice. <laughs> moose cheese, which we found out was incredibly expensive. Very pricey to get that moose cheese. It's tasty though. I would imagine. I if I had the money. You better believe I'd be eating moose cheese tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Or if I had the skill to milk not, a moose? Yeah. That's that's <laughs> you know, that takes some real uh real brass ones, man. Yeah. Get up close to the national animal of Canada and milk it. Was that uh that was when we were talking about the most expensive food items. Correct mundo. And moose cheese was an ingredient in a few. Yeah. As was gold, of course. Yeah. Which, as we decided, was cheating. Yeah. To run up the cost of food. Yeah. So. All right. Have you ever had a weirdo neighbor? Have you ever had a crazy neighbor? That's what we're talking about here. And if you want to jump in, it's 312-981-7200. We got lines open. Crazy neighbor stories. 312-981-7200. I still can't believe that guy drove drove onto the lawn to try and run over the dog. The dog bit my tires. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. I got some weather for you: sunshine uh, and cottony summertime cumulus clouds will happen. It's a bit cooler with lower humidities and winds off the lake, high of eighty two. Tonight, clouds will scatter. Comfortable temperatures and humidities and low of sixty five. Tomorrow, Friday, mostly sunny, uh, warmer in the afternoon. Lake breezes and comfortable humidity and high of about eighty seven, but cooler near the lake. Saturday, turning hot and noticeably more humid by the afternoon with a high of 92. Sunday, partly sunny, windy, quite hot and humid, chance for a late-day thunderstorm or two, high of 96. Monday, more clouds, still humid. Clusters of showers and thunderstorms uh, will be around in the metro area and a high of 90. It's currently 68 degrees at O'Hare at 71 at Midway, 72 at the lakefront. All right, do you have any uh, crazy stories about crazy neighbors? 312-981-7200. We'd love to hear them. Uh, here on 720 WGN. All right. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, and we are live. In the uh, Skyline studio here, uh, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. We're here till 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, we head over to Bradley Place on the TV side of WGN to get uh, the news and information from those great people. And then at 5 o'clock, it's Bob Surratt, the legend, uh, with your uh, morning drive. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We're talking about crazy neighbors. Everybody's had some weird neighbors and some strange neighbor stories. I remember when I was living with my folks... Uh, the uh, the house next door to ours, they had chickens. 
like in, in pens outside in their backyard. And uh, one of them, they also had a rooster. So you could hear the rooster crow. <laughs> yeah, that was that was always fun. Never be late for, uh, you know, breakfast. Well, except that this rooster clearly didn't know what time it was supposed to crow. Oh, so it was an idiot rooster. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, they had like a pen full of chickens. <laughs> hey, man, fresh eggs. Uh, I don't know. Every day. I don't know. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is the phone number. Here's Elizabeth on WG, and go ahead, Elizabeth. Uh, I live in Riverside, and when I first moved here, the neighbors next door sold a house, and we. It was a young couple, and they had two young children, and I thought, oh, great. No. He died within six months. He was an alcoholic. And she moved out, but she held on to the house for 28 years. Nothing lived in it but cats. Mm. She kept getting cats at the Humane Society and putting them in the house. Then she had dogs that she left outside barking, and she brought in furniture, furniture, furniture. Finally, she lost the house after 28 years of having it just empty, except for these animals and furniture. She lost it to taxes, and they took it down. But I was so glad, because she even had poison ivy growing in her yard that came over the fence, and I came down with it. Wow. That's not good. No. Yeah. Okay, sounds bad. Thanks, Elizabeth. You're welcome. Right. I, this, the, the house full of cats. This is This seems to be a theme. With weird neighbors. <laughs> Look, I'm a cat guy. I love cats, but, you know, not a house full of them. Um, Let's see. Here's uh, Glenn on WGN. Go ahead, Glenn. All right, Nick. A couple, two or three years ago, we had a guy and his friend move upstairs from us. And it's like every night, it would be like your MTV raps, like every friggin' night. However, around that time, CVS Pharmacy had a sale on sugar-free, hairable gold gummy bears. So as a housewarming gift, I give the guys a couple packs of gummy bears. They were quiet for a week. I'll tell you why. Explosive diarrhea. Oh. All right. Well, Moved right back out. Okay. Well, thanks, Glenn. All right. Take it easy. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, 312-981-7200 is the uh, phone number. If you've ever had a crazy neighbor or a goofy neighbor situation, I think everybody has. 312-981-7200. Phone lines are open. Let's hear from you with your crazy neighbor stories. Here's Debbie on WGN. Hi, Debbie. I guess that's me, Nick. Hi. Uh, I used to live in Deerfield in a very a good neighborhood, in fact. And um, I was jealous of the next-door neighbor because her husband would come home for work and he'd make a barbecue, I think, almost every every afternoon after he got home from work. And this one day I look out, and he's up in our tree, and he's cutting off the limbs. Now, for me, I have a husband who is doing less and less because we were going to go through a divorce. We were about to start. And he was not interested that some guy was up in our tree cutting off the limbs, but he's disfiguring the tree. So I'm not going to go out there. I I felt like it would that guy was going to need a man. But this was the same guy that always did the barbecuing. 
So anyway, my daughter talked with their son. They were both little guys. And um, for some reason, I ended up at the doorbell, and I met the mother. And I said, you know, your your husband disfigured our tree. And she says, oh, well, we're going through a divorce. And I said, oh, well, so are we. <laughs> and we became a little bit friendly. Anyway, I was very angry because that tree looked terrible when he got through with it. Evidently, the leaves fell into his yard. But I understood there was an easement between us. So I called for a surveyor and the surveyor said well that tree is on your property the easement isn't that large so now i was more mad and on top of that until i actually left the house i would look out and there was an entirely new man every day would come home and barbecue for her in the yard and i was i didn't wasn't that lucky i had to work and so anyway then i was angry now at her when i really was angry at him to begin with but boy did she know how to choose guys until they start cutting the limbs off other people's trees i know anyway that's my story all right thank you debbie okay bye bye I wonder how many disputes with neighbors is about property, like where your property lines are. Specifically trees, I feel like. Yeah. I hear that a lot. Yeah. Or it's if- a guy up in the tree cutting down limbs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. This is why I kind of don't mind living in, uh, well, I love living in the city, one. But one of the reasons is that I don't have to worry about, like, yard disputes and stuff. Oh, yeah. You know exactly where your property begins and ends. Yeah, yeah. You know what the boundaries are. And, uh, you know, if you want to go somewhere with a lawn, go to go to the park, man. Yeah. The only thing is, is uh, when people have when people have get togethers and parties, but you just I don't know. You just learn to live with it. You can't let you can't, unless it's really excessive. You kind of just have to let people be people. We had a. Uh when I was growing up and we lived on, on Addison, right by the Brown line in the, in the house that I grew up in, second floor apartment, we had uh, a family move in downstairs who partied every night. They were like Eddie Murphy. It was every they, night. They partied all the time. And they had music cranking every single night. It was completely insane. Completely. Yeah, weird uh, weird neighbor stories. Everybody's got them. 312-981-7200. Let's uh let's hear yours. See here is uh Andrew on WGN. Hi Andrew. Hey, how you doing? Um when I had first uh, read when I first had my first uh, apartment, it was a basement uh basement deal. The woman rented out uh, um various portions of her basements as, as apartments. And then um, one time at, at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning or so, I was uh, awakened by these loud scratching noises that were directly above where I was sleeping. And uh, it sounded really uh, terrifying. And, and I remember once I heard a story about this woman that was in this car, and she's heard scratching noises and it turned out to be uh, a dead body that was anyway um and i heard i heard them and i felt like any second the the roof was going to cave in and uh i didn't know what it was so i um i confronted my uh the owner and she said oh that's the just the dog he's just playing 
and uh, he, he that's or he's uh, um, playing with one of his toys or something like that. But even after I knew this, um, it still didn't uh, still didn't make things right. Even having known this, uh, it still sounded really uh, disturbing. Yeah. Uh, um, these uh, the, these noises, which were really loud, because it was. I guess the the floor was thin or something like that, and um, this and uh, there was I remember there was this other couple that rented this place, and then when they were making whoopee, it sounded like they were uh, um, a homicide was uh, was yeah, occurring not, or something sound, like that. Yeah, that sounds like uh, that sounds exactly like what uh, Tom went through with his neighbors. So, um, I'm watching. I'm looking up here in the screen, friends. Why is there uh, a chicken and a duck walking around in the apartment? I don't. <laughs> oh man! All right. Uh, thanks, Andrew. If you've got a crazy uh, neighbor story, you can call us at three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Now that now the chicken. And the duck are going into Joey and what's his face? His apartment, Chandler. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, every time I look up when 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 uh, Friends is on, there's always some question I have about it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> All right. Um, we've got a couple of lines open. If you want to jump in here, we are talking about crazy neighbor stories. We've all had them. I'm sure I'm I'm sure I'm forgetting some. I still though, I mean my one of my favorite neighbor weird neighbor moment is resume. I don't need no damn resume. That's still my favorite because if you would have pictured these people, Tom. I mean I, I I would imagine that they probably never even said the word resume. Yeah, that was my favorite. That was my favorite. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are uh, live in the uh, Skyline studio here on uh, 720 WGN. Here till 4 o'clock. And uh, if you would like to join us, uh, it's 312-981-7200. We've been talking about, uh, we've been sharing some of our crazy neighbor stories. I think at some point in our lives we've had some wacky or weird neighbors. Um. And this story uh, uh, that inspired this conversation involved a guy in Maine who uh, sawed a garage in half over a property dispute, like where the property line was. So he he sawed this guy's garage in half. Uh, That's pretty crazy. That's a crazy neighbor story. And we would love to hear from you at 312-981-7200. Here's Dave on WGN. Hey, Dave. Uh, Good morning, Nick. Uh, yeah, you know, I've never had a problem up until just about a little over a year ago. It's just me and my wife, uh, and we're really quiet people, but uh, all of a sudden the cops start showing up at our house periodically saying, you know, there's excessive noise, we have complaints of, you know, just that kind of stuff. 
Um, by the fourth time when they came out, the same cop that had been there twice before, the woman right next to me, she came with them, and he's like, you know, I can't keep coming out there doing this kind of thing. And she, she looks in, in, at me and says, I not going to take up this anymore. I'm going to keep on calling. All I hear is your wife screaming and cussing and throwing. And I just looked and I just started laughing. I bust up laughing. The cop was pretty perturbed at first. He said, I don't see what's so funny about this. I said, it's not funny. I said, but my wife lost her vocal cords to cancer over a year and a half ago. Oh, okay. Well, what were they complaining about? Uh, she said that uh, yeah, there was excessive noise in the house. She said she kept on hearing my wife screaming and cussing me out, you know, periodically yeah. uh, through the time. And I said, you know, that's completely impossible since yeah. she can't talk. Yeah. Uh, just a look on that cop's face. I, I never heard anything from her again. Yeah. All right, Dave. Thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah. Neighbors complaining on you, too. You didn't even do anything. Yeah, that woman who lived upstairs. It's too loud. It's much too loud. Is that what she sounded like? I was just like, look, I'm, all I'm doing is watching TV. It's The Price is Right. You should love this. I was actually watching Alias. I'm not kidding. The time that she knocked on the door. I was watching Alias. I definitely would have been like, hey, do you want to come in and watch some Alias? And she was like, I was like, what do you want? She's like, it's way too loud. What too loud? And I'm like, uh, it, it's a, I don't, it's not too loud. So, um, here's uh, Ken on WGN. Hey, Ken. Hey, how you doing? Hey. All right, what do you got? Uh, I, I grew up in the same neighborhood as you, on Marshfield near Grace. Sure. And we had Crazy George who took it upon himself one summer to beautify the neighborhood by painting everybody's trees white. Not just his own, everybody on the whole block. That's crazy. Yeah, he's a nut job. That's crazy. And I, years later, I moved and ended up living next to an Elvis impersonator who rehearsed in his backyard. <laughs> he sang one part of the song over and over and over. I had to call the cops on him like five times. That's hilarious. Next to an Elvis impersonator who practiced in the backyard. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's great. Full blast. That's so funny. All right, Ken. Good stuff, man. Thanks. Have a good one. All right. <laughs> I don't know if I would mind living next to an Elvis impersonator. At eventually, well, if he was singing the same section of Promised Land over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely find it amusing for a while. To live next door to to live next door to an Elvis impersonator. Considering I love Elvis impersonators, yeah, you'd put that in the diary. Love them. Uh, that's how I met one of my girlfriends. I think you know that story, Leslie Presley. Leslie Presley. We met at an Elvis Presley impersonators convention. What a whirlwind romance! And when Honeymoon in Vegas came out, people were like, "Oh, that's not real." And you're like, "No, no, nah, man." I don't know about the flying Elvises. I'm not sure about that, the parachuting Elvises in that movie. But um, I've been there. I was at it, and plenty of there, there were a lot of Elvi. I seen it. So there was a concert that we were, they did a concert, the Elvis impersonators did a concert, and they had like all kinds of Elvis impersonators. They had the, the you know, the fat Vegas Elvis. They had the young, beautiful Elvis. 
the thin Elvis. They had the 68 comeback special Elvis with the leather. Uh, and the, the big climax of the, of the concert, uh, all the Elvis impersonators were on the stage and it collapsed. It collapsed. There were sideburns and scarves everywhere. Uh, uh, and by the way, they had a sign at the at the edge of the stage that said, "Please, only one scarf only, just one scarf only," because the women wanted scarves from these Elvis impersonators. Leslie Presley was getting hit on by an Elvis impersonator, and he he was feeling pretty lucky. I took her away from him. You're like, let me cut in here, man. Yeah, man. Uh, here's Ron on WGN. Hey, Ron. Hello. Hi. Hey, um, two. Uh, well, first of all, like Tom said, sometimes the neighbors aren't so bad. We had a guy who was just, he just had a loud subwoofer, and I had to sneak up the stairs, and I came down and told the girlfriend, nope, he listens to the same stuff we do. We're just listening to his bass. <laughs> and then uh, the other one was we were the bad guys. We were trying to study. We were in recording school. We were up all night, and we had to study harder than other people, and this one band decided that they needed more room so they could have chicks. And so they backed a trailer next to a trailer. And um, they were partying all night and every night at a certain hour while we were studying. they just scream out, party, party, party. <laughs> and so we, we looked at the schedule and we realized why they were quiet one night because now they had to get ready for stud- for their tests. Yeah. And so I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the guy from Chicago. We're in the middle of nowhere. And this guy from Brooklyn, he's, he, you know, we're, I, I look like... Uh, Cyclops David Bowie, and he, he's this guy with his mane of bushy hair and big glasses back before glasses could be fixed better. A big Genesis gla- jacket, and he says, I've got something that I can wake him up with. I have no idea what he's going to do. He's just the most quiet guy in the world, and sets an explosive down right in their doorway, and it sets it off. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so we became the bad neighbors, and then all of a sudden, like, I, I couldn't believe he did. I, I think I stood there in the road. And I couldn't believe he did it. Yeah. You know, I didn't even have a chance to say anything. And I ran in the house. I was laughing so hard. And I turned off all our lights. And then I realized everybody else was turning their lights on because we're in the middle of a valley in the middle of nowhere. And I was laughing even harder. So I think they knew it was us. Yeah, that's hilarious. Ron, what do you do for a living? Um, uh, right now, um, I'm a caregiver. We, you know, uh, with, okay. all the COVID, with all the COVID stuff, we've got yeah. family members that have been getting sick. So yeah. that's what I've been well, doing. Good, I, good I for to, you, Ron. Good I used for to manage you. a parking lot at a steakhouse over by the United Center. Oh, okay. Well, good for you, Ron. You're doing a great, you're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, good show. Thank uh, you. When you were on so often, um, it was so funny. I called in and I was so used to, to listening to you. I, I got on someone else's show and I called him Nick and I, 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 I ruined the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ron, take care. All right. All right. All right, and finally, Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, Nick, how you doing? All right, we only got a couple minutes, so what do you got? Okay, calling in with a crazy story about a neighbor. Yeah. Uh, to be quick, uh, our house runs along the side of an alley, so our house goes right along an alley. Yeah. And we had this neighbor that would live right across from us, and they they would actually throw parties constantly, like, three, four parties a week. But their garage would be close to the alley, and then they would have their backyard, and then further away was their house. So when they first started throwing the parties, they would throw them in the backyard, which wasn't that bad. We can deal with that. They're far far enough you know, away from yeah. us. Then they decided to move them all into the alley. 
So now we'd have parties with like 50 people, 75 people, 100 people in the alley right by our fence, right by our door. So they're like playing ball. They're getting drunk. They're in our yard, you know, trying to, you know, look for balls that they hit yeah. and stuff like that. And so it just got out of hand. And then one day I was sick. I had like a, a the flu. I had 102 fever. I'm passed out in bed. Couldn't even get out of bed. All of a sudden I woke up. The whole house is full of smoke. My whole house is just full of smoke. I said, oh, my God, my house is on fire. So, so I get out of bed, and I'm, like, looking to see where's the fire, where's the fire. I couldn't find any. So I went outside, and I noticed they were throwing the party, and the guy had a big grill, and he was grilling, and there was smoke all over. Yeah. And I, I had my window, like, cracked just a little bit, but there was so much smoke, it, like, got inside my whole house. Wow. So it was like my whole house was on fire. I had 102 fever, and it was 90-plus degrees outside. I'm inhaling the smoke, and I'm trying to tell this guy, please don't have your grill okay. right, right by right. my house. Okay, so Joe, it Joe, crazy. Joe, we got we to gotta go. All right, uh, thank you for all your stories uh, here on WGM. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back tonight for our uh, Friday show. Jeff Tuckman's going to be here. Ted McClellan's going to join us. And, of course, Esmeralda Leon is going to be on the show, which is always awesome.